The Joe Rogan Experience. Train by day, Joe Rogan Podcast by night, all day. It's good to be here, bro. Good to see you, my friend. Yeah. We're up and at him. What's going on, man? Chilling, man. Working hard, as always. Escape from L.A. Escape from L.A., man. <laughs> that You know, every time we go on tour, that's that's what I look at. Like, any shows, all right, we're get, getting away for for a little bit. Just take a breather. Yeah. Alyssa, I hope L.A. comes back. I really do. I hope it reemerges as what it used to be or better. But. Yeah. You know, I believe it, it can, too. Sure. And it, it, it possibly might, man, but it, it it's going to take a minute before <laughs> we get the right people in there. I know running the spot. Man. Who are the right people though? That's the problem. That's that's hard to say, right? Because yeah. I mean, it's it's just hard to trust any politician <laughs> these days, man. I mean, my friends have hit me up like, "Hey, when are you gonna run for mayor?" I'm like, "I'm never <laughs> running for mayor." Are you crazy, bro? Yeah. You would win. I probably would. Oh my that, god, that, you would win. That would be the curse of me, right? It there. would be the curse, bro. Oh, they my. would go digging deep into your past. Exactly. Yeah, they'd find a bunch of liars, distort a bunch of facts, through that, come up with a narrative. As much of an open book as I've been, you know, and open about everything I've I've, I've done, yeah. They'll always dig deeper to try to find more, especially when you're in that kind of spot, you know? For sure. Also, if you're an open book, they'll still rewrite your chapters. They'll rewrite they'll, the chapters. They'll go in there and go, no, 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 no. This is, this, let's change this around and make it a lot worse than it really was. Absolutely. It's a, it's a dirty game. It's, who, who fucking wants to, that's the problem. Like, who wants to do that job? You know what? It's crazy. <sighs> the people that want to do that job these days, they're not there to do any, uh, work of what a politician's supposed to do they're trying to get famous you know they want to yeah. be famous for something because now that's it's a seat to be famous in yeah. you know then it's 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 a shame because people that, that would actually maybe do the work they don't even got a chance to get in there because they don't want to be famous they're they're trying to get in there to do the work while others like you know they're like i got this seat i'm showboating this shit all you know this whole run i didn't worry about it at all before covid yeah. I'm like, who gives a fuck who the mayor is? It, yeah. wor- it runs. L.A. runs. They figure it out. It's crazy. It's chaotic. There's a lot of people, but it works. Yeah. Now I'm like, oh, my God, that shit's important. <laughs> yeah. It's so important. Oh, my God. Who the governor is, who the mayor is, that shit is super important. You know, when you're young, you don't pay attention to any of that stuff. You're just sort of living, right. you know, going, trying to make your way. And as you get older, and <laughs> you start paying attention to the world and the yeah. news. You're like, hey, wait a minute. Yeah, once you have children and once you buy property, you're like, hey. And you're paying taxes. <laughs> what the fuck Oof. is going on? Oh. They keep jacking up the taxes in California. Oh my the, God. the tents keep stacking up. I have hope. I have hope. I root for them. I hope this new mayor, I hope she, she nails it. Yeah. Hopefully she does something about Hopefully. it. Hopefully. But, but it, it does cost a lot to live in California these days. It's yeah. crazy. It would be great if it went to a good thing. Like if the, it cost a lot, but... Everyone was taken care of. They deal. They dealt with the homeless situation. They dealt with the crime. They dealt with the poverty. They dealt with all the bullshit. But that's not. That doesn't seem to be the case. It's, it's not it. I mean, no. <laughs> you know, like, so cannabis we know generates California a huge amount of of uh, you know yeah. capital, right? And where did it go? Where does it go? Where right? does it go? They don't. They don't ever tell you where it goes. But I could tell you there's a bridge up there on Sixth Street. Had to get the money from somewhere, right? Yeah. Well, well, cannabis. I mean, what is the amount that cannabis is generating for California? It's got to be enormous. 
Yeah, it was for a time. Um, for a time? It's not anymore? I, I, it goes up and down. You know, in the pandemic, oddly enough, people had a lot of money to spend because of the checks and stuff like that. But now the checks have, have <laughs> run out and, and they got less money to spend. So, you know, it's it's always a roller coaster ride as it relates to what sales will be. There it is right there. Yeah. Marijuana tax revenue, $1,294,632,799. I believe we're the highest tax state as it relates to cannabis, and it's crazy. Yeah, look at the difference between Colorado, which also has a lot of weed, only $423 million. Yeah, they they gouge us, man. I mean, we we saved, well, the the industry saved the state. I mean, you know, you lived there for, for many years, and California was in debt. Yeah, we had no surplus. Now we got surplus. We could build bridges that are multi multi million dollar bridges. I had uh, Mariana Von Zeller on the podcast from that television show Trafficked. I don't know if you've seen that show. It's a yeah. great show on the yes, National Geographic. It's crazy, crazy. Like she's boots on the ground journalist. She goes into the jungle where the cocaine manufacturers are. She went to the Congo for uh, dealing with people that are trafficking in the great apes. Wild show, wow. yeah. wild shit. But she was talking about. One of the problems with California is it's so difficult to get a license to yeah. sell weed regularly that the the like f- like illegal sales of weed are up way more yeah. than regular. So they're not getting tax on that because they made it difficult for people. Yeah, uh, the people that operate legally are are the ones getting tapped the hardest because you got to pay for all these uh, regulations and all these fees and the taxation whether you're in the cultivation aspect of it or you're the retail manufacturer distribution any of it man i mean it's the taxation to operate is is high and the taxes on the on the consumer as well so when you have that factored in and you got these these guys that are trapping as they call it right black market style yeah they're they're making all the money and 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 the state isn't really doing anything about that and they make it hard to get a license for people who might actually be able to navigate the business but it's just so many hoops you got to jump through man so much regulation yeah Yeah. it's unfortunate but at least it's legal now yes i mean i remember in 2016 when it became legal we were in the middle of a podcast yeah we're doing the end of the world podcast during the election live at the comedy store and then it, it came out that marijuana passed and it's legal yeah. and everybody cheered it was it was amazing the whole place went yeah but it's just yeah. it's crazy that it legally like federally it's illegal yeah it's still schedule one you know what's crazy is that more states are rolling over like you know because the federal government is leaving it, leaving it up to the state to yeah. decide right and some states are seeing what's happening in places like colorado and and where the tax and taxation ain't so high and they are actually making a lot of money or the state is making a lot of money through cannabis they're starting to consider it right so you're seeing states roll over one at a time like new york yeah for instance we thought that should have been like way sooner way sooner but we thought okay when new york rolls then let's just say florida and boston roll everywhere else will roll over slowly and that's and that's kind of what's happening so i mean i think it's just a matter of time man where where we will have it federally legal but we're gonna all pay the price until yeah then mushrooms then mushrooms mushrooms gotta make its way through oh man they gotta make it uh, you know that what's crazy is the studies that that they've been coming up with as of late like how they've been uh 
using microdose and moderate dose to treat people with uh, depression and anxiety and all the other all the other business. You oh, know what yeah. I mean? And uh, you know, some therapists are talking about how they're actually using microdoses to to uh, to help people. Like, let's just say that they had some sort of ailment, like migraines, for instance, mm -hmm. right? They, they, they say that they can disconnect whatever that is and rewire, you know, your the whatever it is causing the migraines to stop them. Yeah, we're the worst dudes to be talking about neurochemistry. Yeah, we are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, rewire. Yeah, I mean, supposedly uh, can, uh, uh, psilocybin, rather, is one of the very best things for, for that. Yeah. For uh, curing addictions and people that are dealing with, like, real serious problems with PTSD and uh, people that are dying and yeah. have massive anxiety. It alleviates end-of-life anxiety for them. Yes, yeah, so people with anger issues, too. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, it's... It, People that pop off for any given reason, man, you give them some mic microdoses and they're the nicest people in the world. Yeah, I mean, that's the that's for sure uh, a factor with uh, cannabis too, man. I mean, cannabis makes people so much friendlier. Yeah, you know, you, you don't, I think it just, pu it puts you in a relaxed state, yeah. wh whether you choose it or not. Right. Uh, um, <laughs> I've, I've stood out of a lot of altercations being as high as I am because like, you know, somebody might throw an insult here and there and I may not even be paying attention to them. Yeah. Whatever. Whereas if I'm not, I'm totally paying attention to that. And it escalates. And it's gonna escalate. Yeah. Which is the worst. Because a lot of us that are high strong without it, man, it, it sort of grounds us out. Yeah. Yeah. In, in a good way. Exercise and and weed. Exercise is a great combination for being a peaceful, kind person. Absolutely, and really and is. good health. Yeah, and good health. Because uh, weed keeps you young, man. Yeah, I got to tell you. Well, it definitely keeps you relaxed, which can help you stay young. Yeah, at least give give you a young mindset. Yeah, the stresses of life can age you. Yeah, it's like we just concentrate on the petty bullshit. It's just not worth it, man. It's yeah. not worth it. Yeah, you know, like we used to do mushrooms a lot, and I, I told that I told a couple of stories when I was on the last time I was here. But you know that it used to be a part of our our journey, man. Like we'd get on stage, mushrooms, and like just go on the ride. Yeah. Um. After a while, I couldn't do it anymore. I couldn't like be on stage. And, and be totally in the melt, we call it, where it's mm. like, where it's above micro, it's above moderate, like right. you're a full melt, right, <laughs> as they say. And, uh. and it was harder for me to be in front of people doing that because I had like these, these issues deeply rooted that I was angry about. And every time I got to that place, that's what I'd focus on. And I didn't want to feel that ugliness. So I waited mm. till I got over whatever that, that issue was. And then I started, you know, slowly doing mushrooms again, microdosing first and then moderate. And I started feeling good about it again. And I realized how much, you know, it actually helped me push away from whatever that issue was when I did it the first time. Yeah, just something you were focusing on, right? Yeah. Like, I was you just needed to work out. Yeah, I often say if you're, if you're going to try mushrooms beyond micro, yeah. right, like try to deal with whatever issues you got 
before you go in and have a friend there to help you, like to be in the world there with <laughs> yeah. you, you know? That's what everybody used to use, a sitter. That was the, yeah. always the big thing. If you if you did mushrooms, you should have a sitter. You know, in, in, uh, in a, the best case scenario, you would have qualified professionals that would assist in psychedelic therapy, which, right. which is what happens for a lot of people. You know, I know people that have done that in other states where it's legal or illegal. And where it's legal, I mean, it's amazing. You can go to a place and someone who understands the experience and knows what to do can yeah. help you through it. And I know people that have made some big breakthroughs in their life and just really just sort of reassessed how they interface with the world because of that. Yeah, man. I mean, if you could find something that would help you get past whatever is, is um, you know, holding you back or troubling you, weighing you down, man, I mean... Better than t taking any of these over-the-counter drugs for that that might suppress those feelings or thoughts than have you deal with them and get past them. Yeah. Well, that kind of thinking is why it's going to stay illegal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because yeah. there's a lot of money to be lost with marijuana with and psilocybin and all these things becoming legal. There's a lot of shit that people are taking that might not be necessary and might have some <coughs> unintended side effects and consequences that you don't get with natural remedies. Right. It's like they say, there's no money in the cure. Yeah. There right? should be. There should be. Yeah. But for them, there isn't. Like it's if, a, such a problem when people can make a lot of money off of something. Yeah. As soon as as soon as they find a thing that they can sell you that they can make a lot of money off, they want to keep selling it to you. Yeah. No and, matter what. And then you have other companies that do the knockoff versions mm -hmm. of what they do to yeah. sell more of it to you. It's just, you know, um, I've been paying a lot of attention over the years the, about the opiate crisis and the, the pill problem. And that's something we talked about with Mariana Venzeller, too, because when I first met her, uh, I had her on because she did this thing called the Oxycontin Express. Right. Where she explained the pill mills in Florida and how people would buy the oxys and bring them up the highway to Kentucky and all these places. And people with horrible addictions and horrible overdose stories. And it was all coming from Florida. And it was, there was no database. So you could have a back, ah, oh, my back hurts. You go to this place, they go, oh, you need Oxycontin. Mm -hmm. And literally you go right next door to the same building, and that's where they give you the Oxy. And that's all they prescribe. And they don't have a database. So then you go down the street to another doctor, because these pain management clinics huh. were everywhere. That seems like that's, it's, it's a thing in Florida. It where, was. Yeah. It was a thing in Florida. They cleaned it up. I mean, they, they had this, uh, Allegedly. this... They had this show called Claws, right, that... Um, Old girl um, that that did Reno 911, Nisi Nash, right? She she starred in this uh, TV show called Claws, and uh, it's 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 her and a, a group of women, you know, trying to come up in a salon, like you know, make the best salon. But the 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 other way that they're making money is you know through the pills and through one of these type of uh, you know one of these type of clinics and it's basically showing you the game on how people are doing in Florida, how these, how these folks, this is like a thing out there. Yeah. The, the pain management clinics and all mm -hmm. that stuff with the Oxycontin, all, all that stuff. What trips me out is that, you know, this fentanyl thing, right? People know about it. it it's been out there yet. They'll still challenge themselves and, and try to like party, like, like the shit ain't present. It's yes. like the gamble they're taking with that. It it just blows my mind. I think that hard drug addiction is a different thing. Yeah. I really think it's a different thing. I haven't experienced it, but I have friends that have 
and they get scared like they got captured by a demon. And when they get clean, they don't want to fuck around with nothing. Yeah. yeah. They're like, dude, you don't understand. I got captured by a demon. And it's kind of, if you wonder, like, when, when people talk about, like, demonic possession, like, that was always a thing back in the day. Yeah. Before, you know, people really had an understanding of human psychology and uh, uh, myths and lores and what people are terrified of. Like, demonic possession was a real thing. But if you think about what happens to someone when they get really hooked on meth, I mean, how that much is, different is that yeah. than being captured by a demon? You're captured by a chemical demon that's, that's chemical ruining demon. your life, yeah. wants you to get in a fist fight with cops, wants you to drive with no fucking tires, wild shit. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a it's, chemical demon. It does possess you. I mean, like, look, Oof. when people were doing the PCP thing back in the day, mm. right, you know, Back in, in Southgate, when Sen and I were like, you know, younger before we were, um, you know, well, while we were in demo stages, right, doing our demos and stuff like that, we'd, you know, trek around the city, you know, like go to parties and stuff like that, house parties, if you will, and every now and then, you know, because we were broke-ass bastards, we didn't always have cars, we'd be walking to the parties and stuff like that from where, we, you know, Cyprus or whatever, and every now and then you would come across... A couple of you know gangsters that were PCP'd out, and these dudes, I mean, like if you got into some shit with them, you were dealing with someone who didn't know their strength and their abilities at that point. Yeah, they would break handcuffs. They, yeah, they would break handcuffs. We seen like so. Is that real? Did people really break handcuffs on PCP, or is that one of those myths? Well, they, I had always heard that they could definitely did that. definitely break windows like nothing. They do wild <laughs> shit. <laughs> they do wild shit. So there was this kid. In Southgate, who is he was a he was a gangbanger, and a lot of lot of other people in the area they don't want to fuck with him because he him and his brother were kind of crazy, right? And they had like reputations, and there was another contingency of gangsters that wanted to get at him, right? So this guy was sitting on his porch one day by himself. His brothers and and the rest of his guys were not there with him. He was outside of his mother's house chilling, and these dudes roll up on him. The shotgun and they blast him. They, you know, buckshotted him, you know, in his stomach, all that. And uh, they take off. They leave him there for de dead. That's what was the intention, right? And this dude was on PCP at the time. They did not know he was on PCP. Nobody knew until the paramedics came, got him. And that's what that. Oddly enough is what saved him is that he didn't go into shock. He was just like, whoa, you know, like, wow, so slowed down and possessed by the PCP or whatever the hell he was on. Um, and he lived through that, you know, and it wasn't like it was a short distance that they blasted him with all them buckshots. I mean, it had to be painful, <laughs> but he didn't feel a goddamn thing, apparently. And uh, I, he felt it the next day, obviously. But he lived through that while Jesus he was on the PCP. Christ. And that's crazy. Because <laughs> is it good for you? Well, because <laughs> is that a big conspiracy? PCP. Well, well, I would say that had he not been on it, he would have went into shock, and sure enough, died right there on that porch. Wow. But that's I, imagine that's if that's that becomes a thing. Like it turns out to be true that if you're on PCP when you get wounded, you're more likely to survive. That would be crazy. Yeah. If you, what is that elevated state? Isn't PCP, I've, isn't it related to ketamine in some way? 
Didn't someone say that on the on the podcast and it freaked us out? One chemo, like one. Yeah, it's like, I think it's really related. To, some guys like, real close to ketamine or something. Some guys used to smoke and embal- like they might be dip wrong. their joints or right. cigarettes in embalming. Sherm. For, yeah, sherm. Yeah, that was another zombie. Yeah, that was the apocalypse. Right ketamine and uh, phenylside PCP study. Yeah, ketamine and fensi. I'm sorry. <laughs> slide dine. If I was a fucking scientist, I'd be so mad at this yeah. podcast. Yeah, he was a, he was either on cyclidine. P- yeah, he was either on PCP or Sherm. One of the two. It says did they're both uh it says uh are N methyl D aspirate receptor agon- antagonists and disassociate anesthetics that can cause intoxication, sometimes can cut so sometimes confusion. So it seems like it's similar. Yeah. Is that what they're saying, Jamie? Mm-hmm. If not, this they're both in the same family. Ketamine story begins with a drug called PCP. Yes, that PCP. So maybe it's like the uh. proper form of it made in a lab. So I had a boxing coach back in Boston, and he was a savage. This dude was a longshoreman. I don't want to say his name because I want to tell the whole story. <laughs> but he, uh, he w- was a wild dude, especially when he was young. And um, he was a really good boxer. And he got in a street fight and got his fucking finger bitten off. So his his Fuck. his uh, index finger on his right hand was missing, and he had it replaced with his fucking toe. <laughs> this is how gangster this dude was. He had his toe removed, not the big toe, but the second one. And the toe was his new finger, <laughs> oh, and he shit. had it curved so he could throw right hooks. Oh, man. So like when you shook his hand, you always got like a got curved the... finger, because this finger was immobile. It you could just kind of clamp down. But he could still throw punches. Like he had it curved so he could make a fist. Yeah. They're like, we could leave it open, and he can. T-. He's like, no, 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 fuck that. I want to be able to crack people. <laughs> <laughs> so his his toes, his right finger, and he goes, I don't even remember what happened. He was on PCP, and then mm. he got his finger bitten off in a street fight. Yeah, man. And I I'm mean, like, what is PCP like? He's like, <laughs> <laughs> to the moon. <laughs> it ain't nothing like we experience with this weed. I'm not fucking <laughs> even want- thinking about trying that. Whatever that is, I but, don't want it. But if man. ketamine's like next door neighbors to that, that's what's crazy because like I know a lot of people. Did ketamine and they did sensory deprivation tanks on ketamine. Huh. That was what John Lilly used to do, apparently. Hmm. And what'd that do for him? I don't know, man. I, the way I've heard about ketamine is, um, you know, it's only diff- a bunch of different descriptions, but they feel, it, it, people say, if, like, you can do, they do IV assisted ketamine for depression. And Neil Brennan did it, you know, Neil Brennan, yeah. the comedian. Neil, who's a hilarious and interesting dude, so he's the perfect guy to, like, he can describe this. And he's trying to figure out what's wrong with him, why is he depressed. So he tries this ketamine therapy. He's like, oh, it'll probably be something where, you you know, you lay there and you get a little dose of this and you relax or something. He's like, no. He goes, I was tripping my fucking balls off. I go, really? And I forget his description of it, but I remember Terrence McKenna's. He said it's like you're in an alien office building but there's no one in the office building. Like you're like wandering around. Hmm. But I've heard a bunch of different, weirder, even more strange descriptions of people that go into K holes. A couple of interesting things to read in here. What does uh, it say? Well, it's uh, it's it's very similar to PCP, but it's got a lot. Uh, when it was chemically synthesized in the '60s, they took out the convulsion 
and seizure stuff that would happen to people. Well, that's good. <laughs> Which is good. That's great. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, but my God. Here at the bottom, it says <sighs> that uh, it's a sedative. And in fact, it was given to that boy's soccer team that was trapped in the cave in Thailand. Oh, my God. Tranquilized states so they would be easier to move. Oh, my God. Huh. Oh, my God. That's so insane. That's crazy. So they they were pretty much loose. Yeah, they put them on ketamine to, oh. to get them through the tunnel. That's insane. Wow, that so makes sense, though. Because, yeah, I would imagine, because if you got, like, any issues about, you know, like, you're claustrophobic. If those kids panicked and freaked out while they were swimming them through. Yeah, stuck. Oh, my God. Done. Um, there's an article I found from 1991 LA Times that's describing some myths about PCP. What's the big myth? Does it have anything about handcuff breaking? Uh, well, <laughs> it always heard that dudes were, could break handcuffs, right? You always yeah, heard that, yeah, right? There's yeah. a lot of anecdotes for sure of them saying that it would, they would break their bones and do things that they wouldn't feel because it was such a powerful anesthetic. Yeah, that they wouldn't feel shit till it wore off. Yeah, you're numb basically. But this but also you're... says that there's myths that were created to change. That apparently those myths were used to change some laws. Like for instance, cocaine. It says a myth that made blacks most unaffected by coke, or cocaine made blacks unaffected by 32 caliber bullets is said to have caused southern police departments <laughs> to switch to 38 caliber revolvers. What? what? Oh my god. Oh and my god. So there's god. this thing about PCP that says if people believe that it would make them um uh they believe the public will go along with use of any force if to make the claim that the person was under the influence of PCP. So it's so that it's so dangerous that any means to to subdue. Yeah, any means to subdue. Isn't it interesting like that there's a, they decide what caliber you should be able to kill people with. Yeah. It's like, well, this ain't big enough. We need to go bigger. It's almost like they're saying, give someone a chance to just get wounded. Yeah. You, you might just get wounded. Yeah. But it, they're shooting at you. It was crazy, is it? You know, they're they're saying that this this drug is, makes makes them uh, not necessarily superhuman, but not as vulnerable. Not as vulnerable. Yeah. And it it is true to a degree. I would imagine if you're hopped up on meth, you'd pr probably be really hard to take down. You'd yeah. just be like a wild animal, oh, like yeah. a wild cat. Yeah, it would It would take... Yeah, you're ripping yeah. your body apart, resisting. You're not even realizing like the limitations of your tissue. You're yeah. just ripping your knees apart and just fucking going yeah. crazy. Yeah, I mean, you don't give a shit. Yeah. So, so when, when uh, we were spending a lot of time in Southgate before, like, you know, we eventually start touring and, and moving around and... and being a part of the industry more than being in the streets, right? Just before that, you know, we used to we used to hang out at this spot in Southgate at this Jack in the Box. Like that for some reason everybody went there and it was on Firestone in California. And City Hall is just down the street and Southgate Police Department is just right there. And we just happened to be there on this day where they were trying to take down this like dude that was like probably like Six two six three, Kenny Loggins looking motherfucker, you know, <laughs> scraggly beard, and he's got his shirt off, no oh, shoes, no. he's just in his jeans, oh, and no. there's like ten uh, Southgate police officers trying to subdue this guy, and oh, like no. they could just not. They had to call like five or six more, <sighs> and they put him in the back of the of the the police car. And with his bare feet, he kicks out the window. And that like, <laughs> they are really dealing with this guy. This dude was huge. Oh my God. Um, Yeah, he, he had to have been on something because like, he wasn't very big, big. He was tall, but he was kind of lanky. But like, man, he was tossing those dudes around like nothing. 
Well, there's some dudes that are just genetically freak strong. Yeah. You know, like our buddy Jeff out there. Jeff doesn't even work out, and there's this grip thing that you grab, and he beats all of us. Hmm. Everybody works out every day. He grabs this thing. It's like. Got that inner strength. Just got natural strength. Yeah. Some people just have better genes than us. Yeah, and imagine, yeah, imagine but- that guy. On PCP. Oh my goodness! You're not <laughs> yes. gonna hold him down. He's barefoot and he looks like Kenny Loggins. Yeah, <laughs> and he's got some country strength. <laughs> I got country he's got strength. country strength, bro. For real, bro. Those guys that work on farms—that is 100% legit. Yeah. When you think about hay bales, that's just like doing kettlebells all day. Well, look, they—they—they they, they even um, they even suggested that this was like hard shit when they they made rocky do it in rocky four exactly they made him do old school farm work (laughs) and shit yeah you ain't fast anymore we gotta we gotta focus on your strength yeah and all that shit takes strength it takes strength build strength yeah farm people are probably the strongest fucking people on earth that's why they made such good wrestlers they're very sturdy yeah well also it's it's a huge thing up there wrestling is like this long-standing tradition in like the midwest but also there's a lot of fucking farmers out there, and those kids are savages. Oh yeah, imagine the like how they were doing those uh, backyard matches, you know, yeah. in certain neighborhoods. Imagine uh-huh. out there on the farm. Oh my the god, the matches they're throwing out oh there. Oh my god, for sure that's to, happening right now to entertain themselves. Did you do you know Joe Lozon, the MMA fighter? Yeah, him and his brother used to have real fights in the backyard of a cookout. <laughs> Go to Joe Lozo Lozon versus Dan Lozon. They beat the fuck out of each other in the backyard like brothers. real brothers full-on mma fight and then no beef in just cookout no beef in just fighting just fighting fighting <laughs> so look at this <laughs> oh this is God. these crazy motherfuckers at a cookout they're at a fucking cookout so everyone's hanging around they're in their gym shorts in the front yard and they're gonna fight so this is no beef all sport no. just this for is sport. this is just we're gonna have a fight I mean, this is a full-on 100% MMA fight. Look, there's bricks behind them. <laughs> look at the fucking the, look at the bricks, the landscaping bricks. Where's mom? <laughs> Mom's cheering on. Seems... Don't be a pussy. <laughs> Mom's cheering them on. This is it's fucking amazing because their friends are all just sitting around. By the way, both of these guys, world-class MMA yeah. fighters. Yeah. Joe Lozon is an elite MMA fighter, and his, his brother was a fucking straight-up killer when he was young. Yeah, these dudes been around for a yeah. long time. Yeah. So and, Dan and Joe just beating the shit out of each other in front of everybody. <laughs> Look at this. This is crazy. This is a 100% oh, full-on fight. Oh, He just hit him with a hard ground-and-pound right hand from the top. If we didn't have beef beforehand, we Joe have Lowe's beef Joe Lowe's on with a deep half sweep. That's a beautiful sweep he just hit him with. He hit him Ooh. with a deep half. Ooh. Oh, Ooh. my goodness. Brothers. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> For no money. This is no money. He got the choke in. I'd like to play the song from he got Hen- it. He Henji got and Evil Lee he Brothers. Got him. Oh, oh, fucking you! They got beef now. He got mad that he didn't let go when he tapped. <laughs> that is wild. <laughs> that is wild. That's wild, man. Joe's the older brother. Yeah. That's why he didn't let go. Yeah. <laughs> that is wild. <laughs> But some guys that grow up with brothers are like the toughest dudes. Yeah. Because they're, they're always fighting. They're fighting they're with their brothers all the time. They're always fighting, yeah. They're not worried about conflict. They're ready to go. Yeah. They even, experience it constantly. It's like being in prison. Yeah, and when what's crazy is if they get into a fight on the street with other guys, they're beating the shit 
yeah out of those other guys they're so used to fighting <laughs> yeah they're so but he used could to... fuck with you the, the other way too man i had a buddy of mine who had a brother who terrorized him his brother was just like super mean beat the shit out of him like would physically beat him up all the time mm. and he was bigger and older he's bully yeah and this guy was like a good looking guy he was smart but he always had this fucking terrible insecurity there's this thing about him and then one time we had a conversation about it He's like, my brother just beat the fuck out of me mm. my whole life. He's like, your brother, he was like living with, like he was being terrorized by his brother and nobody did anything about it. His and brother was probably- parents didn't want to get involved. Yeah. That's crazy. It when, just fucked up his head forever. When you get a, a, a sibling that's abusing you, you know what I mean? Yeah. You can't, Cause you really can't do shit about <sighs> it. But that's, you know, hey, guys like that, at this point that they're still having this hang up, psilocybin. Yeah. Go to sure. a therapist, do that treatment, and it'll help you. It'll, it, it's almost like you know when when people go do the the ayahuasca thing and they got the shaman guiding mm -hmm. you through. You know what I mean? And and you need guidance with with stuff like also that. Also, you need guidance because there's probably a bunch of medications that people take that you wouldn't ever want to take with mushrooms. Oh hell like no! You would want to talk to a doctor. Like, I don't, there's got to be, right? Like, yeah. what medications are dangerous when mixed with psilocybin? Google that. Because there's got to be some stuff like MAO inhibitors and stuff that would make you f lose your fucking marbles. Oh, yeah. Like, McKenna told some story about once about he, he took some sort of an MAO inhibitor and mushrooms at the same time, and he almost lost his mind. I believe that was the combination he was talking about. That's crazy. But it was just, just way too much. And it took him a while before he could sort of, the way he was describing it was much more eloquent, but he was like talking about how he was trying to reformulate reality, yeah. essentially. <laughs> that <laughs> wasn't went deep. Yeah, he was like gone, like, oh my God, I'm never coming back on. Yeah. You know, yeah. and then it just took a while, and then eventually, there's stories of him and his brother, they took mushrooms in the Amazon, and they found these fresh mushrooms, and wow. the brother went way, way, way too hard. He went way too hard. In the Amazon, he took Dennis. mushrooms. That's yeah. crazy. And he was gone for weeks. <laughs> for gone. He was gone for yeah. weeks. For weeks. Yeah, some folks don't come back from that right. as, as, as quickly as others. And some people stay. Yeah. Some people stay. Yeah. Yeah. If you if you lose your... If you're like prone to like having mental issues already, it's probably not a good idea to do it. Yeah. Right? Not without a guide. Not without a guide. And even then, like probably you should just do a little. Yeah, moderate. Know? Yeah. I moderate. mean, I'm not a doctor, clearly. Don't take my advice on anything. But it, it, in that regard, I would say, like, what they did was wild. They they, they just ate a pile of them. Like, who knows That's how much crazy. it was. And they, there's, like, fresh mushrooms in the Amazon, and he was apparently just fucking gone. You know, people are going extra hard on the mushrooms as of late. Like, you know, we... We talk about it on on the Dr. Green Thumb show, right? And we were talking about, you know what? One day we're going to do, a, you know, a microdose before we go on or a moderate dose, right? And we did that. And everything was fucking hilarious to us, right? After that show, we started seeing, like, some of the fans and like, yo, this is what I'm doing today, right? And they'll send us... um like the, the, the shake prep, if you will. They'll do them in shakes, right? And they'll take a pile of mushrooms and grind them up in that shake. And we're like, damn, you ain't coming back for a week. Yeah. Because it's like, you know, back in the day, we, we used to do like an eighth before we went on stage. We'd take an eighth of mushrooms. And that was a lot for that time. But like people are doing like 
double that. We're like, whoa. <sighs> It's like that, you guys ain't you're that floating ain't, around an alternative reality. You're going into the portal. Yeah, <laughs> you're you're into the portal, and then you're interacting with the material world while you're in the portal. Yeah, and that's the hard part. If you're around like-minded people, like right. everybody took, and and yeah. and it's closed off to the world, and you guys are nice right setting. there, it's fine. But yeah. it's always the one person that might not be. In the in the world with you in that way, and yeah. they might throw the whole damn thing off. Yeah, that can Cause, happen because you're, you're trying to relax. To yeah, and you see that someone's losing their shit. Yeah, yeah. Or vice versa. You you could be like, I'm, we're all totally here. That person doesn't understand where we're at, right? Because he's not in it or she's not in it with us. What's right really now. important to me is that it could help so many people, like so many veterans, like I, so many people with PTSD. Yeah, you know. So many people like my friend, assault victims. I think that, uh, I think it, there's a real potential that it can help, but it's dangerous. Yeah. It's like everything where you're, you're monkeying with your mind, it's dangerous. It shouldn't be treated lightly. No. It, it's real stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, there's, there's, there's people that do it for, you know, casual use to, you know, just like someone smokes weed. They, not everybody smokes weed for the health, health benefit of it. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and it's the same thing with with mushrooms. Some people are partying with it, and some people are trying to actually get, you know, a, a benefit from it in the way that it'll help them with whatever issue that they're having and that they they feel it could help for. So, you know, I think there's there's a different sort of responsibility on on each shoulder, and I think the, the user knows that, right? So, like, if you're partying on it, you know where your limits are. When you're using it for medical use, you're sort of like afraid to step on the gas. You know what I mean? So I think you go a little slowly in that aspect there, you know? Yeah. Because I think people still are genuinely afraid of it because they don't know about it. They've only ever heard and they're trying to experiment with it. But that's when you need someone who's experienced in it who can actually guide you through. So if you want to do a little bit more and get a little bit more of the experience or you want to pull back. Yeah. Because, you know, you always got the assholes, more, right. <laughs> do more. And then also yeah. the, the other problem with it being illegal is some of the people that provide you that experience are weirdos. Yeah. <laughs> you got yeah, to hang out some weirdos if you want to trip. And some of them are cool. A lot of them are cool. But because some, it's illegal. Shrooms can, can cause seizures. Not a lot of studies have been done. That's all I can find <clears throat> is that, uh, yeah, it can cause seizures. So don't mix it with things that can raise your blood pressure mm -hmm. or heart rate. Uh, shrooms increase your heart rate. Hmm. Shrooms can increase your heart rate in the 150 to 160 range of you're, a normal dose. Whoa. You're burning calories on shrooms. Of course you are. You're freaking the <laughs> fuck out. <laughs> you can't believe what you're seeing. Oh, and you shouldn't take it with uh, Molly, Ritalin, or uh, other psychostimulant drugs. This is especially true if you have a history of heart disease or blood pressure problems. That's so most I could find. You got to drink a lot of water, too. Yep. Well, that maybe those are the drugs that we're talking about. So what was it again? Antidepressants, what does it say? Um, antihistamines, benzodiazepines, or stimulants. Because that's a serotonin crash that can happen. Right. So like that. that makes sense if you were on, like, uh, Xanax, right? That's yeah. a benzodiazepine, and then yeah. you did a trip. Probably not so bueno. Not so good. And, and you know, people don't do that sort of diligence before they right. go and do that shit. Right. It's just like someone has, hey, let's do some mushrooms. Exactly. And you don't know if you're homie or homegirl or are like on some medication yeah. you're on some asthma medication or something yeah. interacts badly with it yeah well, not good not good
Yeah, that's why it should be fucking legal. Yeah. You should leave it up to people. It's a freedom issue. Yeah. It really is. And it, people that don't understand that, like conservatives should get on board with it because it's a fucking freedom issue. And you know, people want to connect it to like uh, liberals and hippies and uh, they, they push it onto the side of the left instead of looking at it like as a population of human beings it is, that yeah. value freedom. You value freedom. I value your freedom to be able to have a drink. I value if you want to smoke a cigar or a cigarette, do whatever the fuck you feel like doing. You are an adult. Yeah. I value your freedom as long as you're not hurting me. And if you can show that that thing actually has a benefit to a lot of people and it's being explored like in legitimate scientific circles and legitimate therapy circles, shouldn't we take a fucking look at making that legal? Yeah. Like absolutely. this is crazy that you have some thing that grows in the ground naturally. It grows on cow shit. It's all over the world naturally. People have been taking it for centuries. Who knows how many thousands of years? Who knows? Like, when, when did they start taking mushrooms? What's the earliest known use of mushrooms? That's a good question. <laughs> when is I the wonder earliest? when, because they, they get pretty good at that. They, can, they get ayahuasca down, I think. I think they know when that was. They think that uh, peyote's a weird one. Yeah. Peyote, they say, is like really recent. I have not tried that one. The answer Google gives me is that some 6,000 years ago. Prehistoric rock art near Villa de Humo in Spain suggests that the psilocybe Hispanica was used in religious rituals 6,000 years ago. Sounds about right. Wow. Imagine what they thought they were seeing or what oh they were God. actually seeing in that time. Oh, my God. <laughs> of course. That's... <laughs> What John Marco Allegro said is the birth of Christianity. He said it was all about psilocybin mushrooms. He was this guy who was an ordained minister who uh, became agnostic as he was studying theology. And uh, he was one of the people that was hired to decipher the Dead Sea Scrolls. Yeah. So for 14 years, this guy worked in the Dead Sea Scrolls. And then he wrote this book, The Sacred Mushroom and the Cross. And in the book, he was saying this was all about consumption of psychedelic mushrooms and fertility rituals. That's what these original stories were about crazy and he believed that what and this guy was like a straight-laced scientist he was like like a straight-laced academic rather he wasn't you know, like a guy who was a, a tripper he wasn't a timothy leary type dude he was just a, a regular scholar who was like what i get out of this and the origin of these words you can go back to, he he believed that the word christ came from an ancient sumerian word that meant a mushroom covered in god's semen <laughs> so people thought that when it rained, it was God coming on the earth. Right. And then these mushrooms would rise out. Because you know how quick mushrooms yeah, go. Yeah, they pop up And then quick, they would yeah. eat these mushrooms and trip balls. <laughs> so, of course, they thought that this was, you know, they were in contact with God through through this gift. Yeah, God's medicine and right maybe there. maybe they were right. Could be. Maybe they were right. I mean, people, pe some of the things people see. Maybe they were right, man. Yeah. Maybe that's yeah. what it is. Yeah, some people. The, some of the things people see are incredible, man. It's like, funny how we're resistant to that. Well, it's funny how people are resistant to that. It, it goes against the norm the wash cow. that we've been living under for so long. Yeah. What was that, Jamie? Putting together the cows and the the, the dung. Can I see it? I feel like we've seen the bull, right? This image before, right? And to see the mushrooms next to it, I don't know that I've seen that before. They're so close. Yeah, that's a trip. Correlation, since that's where they grow, you know. It must be. I mean, they must know that they grow on cow shit. That's where they grow. So Spain. Do you know where uh, Duncan Trussell used to live? How crazy is this? They used to give the cows an antifungal feed 
so that their their shit couldn't grow mushrooms in them. Because huh. so many, it was in Asheville, North Carolina, <laughs> and so many kids were going out there and just picking mushrooms off cow shit and just tripping their fucking balls off that they had to put a stop to it. That's it. You goddamn hippies are going to ruin this town. <laughs> so they poisoned the cows. They give this cow this what? antifungal shit. I don't know if it poisoned the cow. I'm just, I'm being but, hyperbolic. Yeah, yeah. But they gave the cow this antifungal shit. Yeah. So they couldn't do what it naturally does, which is makes the perfect habitat for psilocybin. So they like right. starved out all the magic mushrooms. Uh, you know, I don't even know if that worked. Because that was what Duncan told me. We should research this. That might be a, f a even, total myth. Even <laughs> if it did, those kids found another way to get mushrooms. Oh, yeah. Once they got them, they got them. Yeah. There, there's Once they got them, they got so them. so many ways to get any of that now. Yeah. There's, I mean, it just, there's so many places, though, where it grows naturally still to this day. It's a Schedule One substance that just grows naturally. You don't have to process it. You, yeah. you don't have to do anything. You just pick it and eat it. Yeah. And it's illegal, which is like, okay. So I, th I think that'll change. I mean, you, you see more acceptance of, of it as of late and the fact that they're willing to study it yeah. and, and talk about the actual good it's been doing in those studies. I mean, it seems like it's a it's a move in the right direction. It's just slow. It's just slow. It's just always slow. Like with cannabis. I mean, we all know it should have been legal like probably five, ten years ago already. There's a thing that happens where preconceived notions are very hard to let go. And people have them about, uh, they have them about drugs, they have them about culture, they have them about a lot of things. But drugs are a big one because I've had my own preconceived notions about, about cannabis. When I was a kid, I didn't really do anything. I didn't party at all from the time when I was like 15 till I was like 21 because I was training and fighting and uh, that's all I did. So I was a nerd sort of. I was like kind of like socially awkward. And I thought that people who were getting high were just wasting their life. They weren't going to get nowhere. Like, I wasn't going to do that. I rarely drank. And if I did, I was always mad at myself. I was, I was like, you're going to fucking slow your body down. This is going to fuck you up. And you're not going to be able to achieve your goals. I was too, like, maniacal in this mindset. And I thought that, like, weed was for losers. Until I started hanging out with Eddie Bravo. And Eddie Bravo and I were doing jujitsu together at John Jacques Machado's. This is, like, 98, somewhere around then. Yeah. And, um... He starts talking about how much weed influences his music. And I go, really? And he goes, yeah. He goes, uh, jujitsu techniques, like I think a lot of them up when I'm high. And I'm mm. like, that's crazy because I thought weed just slows you down. He goes, no, 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 no. That's just like what people who don't smoke weed think. Yeah. I'm like, okay, let's try this shit. So we went, got high, <laughs> and then uh, we went to uh, Basket and Robbins. And I remember this is like me high for the first time in, I don't know, a, more than a decade probably, yeah. right? Eating this fucking ice cream going dude. This is the greatest <laughs> fucking flavor I've ever experienced in my life. Oh I ice cream Sunday when you're high. Yes. for the first time like you, you've never li Literally like I had never been high before because the the time before that was like maybe I was like in my early 20s like 21 or something like that Yeah, like it'd been a long fucking time Eight nine years. Yes. I'm like you know weed. Weed slows you down. Weed's bad for you. To like, oh my god, this is magic. Yeah. This is magic. Like this food tastes so good. Like it tastes way better than it would taste. You appreciate it a lot more. Oh my god, you appreciate friendship more. And I was like, this is amazing. I was like, oh, I didn't know what this was. I was yeah. like, I thought this was just for losers. I thought this was this thing, and you you take it and you're like, oh, wow, yeah. man. <laughs> it's all it's all the misinformation yeah. that they put out throughout all them years man to you know to keep people from it 
it's also sometimes when you're stoned, it's hard to express yourself. And True. So, and sometimes shit comes out. <laughs> sometimes it's hard to articulate, like, yes. You know, fucking, I fucking wonder, man. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You could get that. And if you're sober and people are high, sometimes that could be annoying. Like if I'm doing concentrates, man, that's when it, it gets tough. Oh. Like flour I got. Yeah. All day, you know that's nothing for me. But it's it's the concentrates and like the RSO. Have you have you done the RSO I'm or the hemp full spectrum hemp oil, hemp oil yet? I'm not fucking around with any of the thing these kids are doing. These these dabsers, these kids were bringing yeah. dab machines everywhere they go. They're they're in another dimension, man. <laughs> ah man, they're in a the next crazy. door dimension. They're not living with us right now. They're it, in another place. It's crazy that you know because when when they come to the show and stuff like that, some of them are very intimidated by that. Like rappers, most especially. Rappers are intimidated by the dabs. <laughs> For real. Like, they'll smoke the blunts. Yeah. They'll smoke the joints. But my, my you know, <laughs> my peers, they don't like doing the dabs, man. It's it's too strong for them. It's too much. It's too much. Like, it's too much for me. For me, I, I got used to it, like, because I, I got to be universal in, in, in my path in the, in the stoner world, right? Because everybody's always trying to take my fucking head off. So I have to be ready for it. Because there was one time these guys from Weed Maps, I was doing a 420 show in Colorado. And uh, da the dabs were new to us still, you know, they, and they weren't as clean yet. And it, they were just new in the culture, but not new to these guys. Right. So they, they you know, we all go to my, my hotel room because I know these guys and stuff like that. But everybody's got their own dab rig, their own dab torch and their own concentrates. It's like they're Jedis of dabbing. Right. Yeah. So. We start off with one, and it's a hot dab. This is before we start doing the low-temp dabs. Like, you know, that means heating the nail and then letting it cool down for about 40 seconds and then taking the hit so it's not hot as fuck, right? This is when we're, like, heating the nail, let it cool down 10 seconds, and then go for it. And, man, that is the most devastating way you could do this, right? So I took three, three hits. We all a piece took three hits, right? And there was probably about six or seven of us. And uh, <laughs> after like 45 minutes, I called my boy over. I said, get everybody the fuck out of here. I need like <laughs> a few minutes to gather myself. <laughs> hey, man. I, I, yeah, I had to meditate out of the out of what I was feeling right then, wow. right? And but and I still had a show to do later on. How many hours to the show? It was like maybe four hours to the show, and I was still feeling it when we got to the show. I was high as fuck, higher than I had been in a long time. And none of those guys made it to the show. They all went home <laughs> and slept. I went and did a fucking show, you know? But after that, that's when I decided, okay, well, I don't, you know, Dabs ain't my thing, but I'm going to keep up on it so that I don't get my fucking head taken <laughs> off again. And, you know, so other rappers, you know, have gone through the same thing where it's like, you know, they either don't try it at all because of the way it looks. The torch to the nail, you know, is very cracky to us. You know what I mean? So, like, a lot of them don't don't fuck with it that way. But some of them now and then will will try and then they'll love the taste, but the high is so fucking extreme after that they don't want no part of it. They'll just stick to the flower. Rapper high levels are way higher than comedian high levels. We Ra smoke a lot. Rappers <laughs> smoke all day. Yeah. 
like watching people like Snoop Dogg put down blunt after bunt after and blunt, roll them, yeah. roll them himself, spark them up, put down another one, roll another one, spark yeah. it up. Action Bronson, how many joints did Action Bronson smoke on the yeah, show? Yeah, he, he's an avid smoker. I'll tell you what, he like eight, nine joints. The one, the, <laughs> the one who's a monster like myself in that regard is Wiz Khalifa. Oh yeah, that guy can smoke weed all day he could do the concentrates he does the bong hits i don't do the bong hits too much anymore but like the the dabbing and that stuff i'll do but uh yeah he smokes like a monster and he's the perfect argument against weed makes you lazy yeah no nah, because he's always doing something he's always doing something this guy's he's trained in muay thai tra trained in muay thai he's practically a pro fucking bowler i mean really this, oh man this dude and his and his um and his partner chevy woods those two guys, they hit the lanes like crazy. No and, shit. And they're fucking good. I thought I was good. Like, I, I was good when I was a kid. I'm, I'm okay now. But when I saw them both, I said, if I'm going to go at them, I'm going to have to be, like, getting my role together for about six months before I try these guys. Because they're, they're, <laughs> they're rolling high numbers up there. Wow. And they're, and they're doing that high as fuck. You know, they're not sober in their role, in their rolling sober. No. They're high as fuck going in there. Getting some good numbers, man. I'll be like, okay, Wiz. That makes sense. That's because it's a bowling is a feel thing. Yeah, you know, I would, I would. It makes sense that you would like a better feeling of where the ball's going to go if you're high. For me, any physical activity when when you're stoned, when you're an avid stoner, right? Like it, to me, it puts you in a zone where you can concentrate more on the shit you do. Like so, for instance, I do archery with my daughter, and beforehand, you know, I'll <laughs> I'll go smoke out before we go. And I'll just be comfortable as opposed to when I've tried it when I wasn't. And it just there's just something like it, it settles me in. My targeting's better. My mm. breathing is better. Mm. All that. And it, even as it relates to workouts, I feel like I could work out longer than if, if I'm like, put it this way. For example, if, I, if I'm not stoned, I'll set the time that I'm going to work out, hour and a half. And on that hour and a half, I'll stop. But if I'm stoned, I'll lose myself in it, mm. and I'll go longer than that hour and a half. Yeah, and, and that's sort of what it does to me. It just gives me that hyper focus where I'm just locked in. When I'm stoned, I'm getting more information. It feels like I'm more um, when I'm doing physical things like uh, like martial arts, for example. When I'm stoned, I feel like my timing better. I feel yeah. like the when when I'm supposed to move into something better. Yeah. I've had like breakthroughs in technique from being high yeah. and hitting the bag because you like you realize like there's just a, a perfect timing to the the way it impacts. You know, you're uh, a martial artist. I think it slows you down and mm. allows you to like, you know, not rush into yeah, to you do know, it properly. To do it properly. Yeah, it makes you feel the technique. Like you feel your body moving like in in, in a little bit more harmony. Because sometimes when I'm not warmed up or maybe when, you know, I'm, you know, maybe I'm a little sore or something like that, you can kind of force things the wrong way and you can, you can even hurt yourself doing that. Yeah. But when you when you're high, you almost like feel the way your muscles are like when you do chin ups when you're high. It's like you feel your yeah. back, you feel everything in it. Yeah, it just makes everything very hypersensitive. Yeah, I always felt like when I went into the dojo when I was training, um, you know, when I went in sober, there was always this anxiety trying to like do it all right and mm -hmm. and, and, and like 
sort of doing too much, you know, trying to like uh, go faster than you actually should, yeah. you know, in your progression. It's, you know, being too excitable and stuff like that. Whereas when I went in high, I would absorb it, like you said, absorb it more and focus on everything that I was doing, like the, from the snap of the punches to the blocks and kicks and, and all that stuff. Like instead of rushing it and trying to go out and impress sensei or, you know, all that that you do because ego comes in as well when you're mm. in a doji. You want, oh, I want to be the best student in here. It's almost like a competition sometimes, right? But when I'd go in stone, I wouldn't even think about that. It was just all about absorbing what he was given to us that day and then trying to do it. And, and slowing my mind down to do it right. Yeah. You know where it really helps? Stretching. Yeah, stretching. Yeah. <sighs> when you stretch when you're high, <sighs> it's like you're releasing things. You're like... <sighs> high yoga. Yeah, high yoga. Well, that was apparently what uh, a lot of the ancient yogis used to do. They used to take hashish. Hashish, yeah. They would take hashish and get into these funky poses, which makes sense. Yeah. If you were high as fuck and you're out there like, <laughs> the, yeah. like that's what you'd do. That's, that's what you'd do. You. Stand on, if you were fucking high as fuck on hash, stand there. I would love, I would do it. <laughs> I mean, sometimes, like, sometimes I'll, I'll meditate and I'll be high as fuck when I'm meditating. And that, that allows me to go longer. Yeah. Because sometimes, you know, like, I'm a Gemini and if I'm not high, man, I'm high strong and I try to rush I'll, I'll rush through shit. So like if, if I mean to like meditate for 10 minutes and, and I'm not stoned before I do it, I'll be trying to rush the meditation. I'm like looking at the time, is it 10 minutes yet? You know what I mean? Yeah. But if I get stoned, I'm not even looking at the watch. I'm just- You're in it. I'm, I'm you're in You're just it. in it. Yeah, time flies. You don't yeah. even re recognize it. Yeah. If you're that high, I mean, have you ever taken a yoga class high? Like really high? Like hashish high? Hashish high? No. And neither have I. I've taken uh, a yoga class mildly high, and it was great. It was amazing. Yeah. That... But I would imagine if you were hashish high and, you know, you're eating nothing but lentils and you're on this, like, vegan diet and just every day home. Oh, yeah. Every day stretching, every day doing it. You're probably tripping balls. You're tripping balls. Tripping balls. And you're healing yourself, too, though, yeah. while you're tripping those balls. Yeah. That that would be a fascinating person to talk to. Yeah, and there's plenty of them out there, man. Yeah, <laughs> especially these new age yogis, man. Those dudes, they would they would be like rappers too. They try to smoke your head off. Oh yeah, they they're definitely. Trust. How many chillums can you smoke? That was like a thing with these. Oh yeah, these these dudes, uh, these yogis. Yeah, you know that that's the thing when you're known for something like that, man. They're trying <laughs> People to people coming for you. <laughs> oh, they are coming. Kennison uh, used to talk about that with uh, cocaine. He would say that when uh, he would go to party, they'd go, "It's him! It's him!" and they'd put this giant line out. Oh and man! Goes, and I just have to fucking fucking get through. So he would snort the line and almost have a heart attack. It's hilarious. Bit. Yeah, man, you can't do that shit today. That's for sure. No, 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 no. I mean, that's this is the byproduct of illegality too. Yeah, I, I mean, that's that's how this happens. If it's illegal, then it's unregulated. If it's unregulated, sometimes there's poison in it. Yeah. And that's the problem, man. That's it, the problem. That, it's it's crazy, like like going back to what we said in the beginning that people would even gamble, knowing that that is a possibility that you, unless you know where it's coming from. Do you think that this country could uh, survive legalization of hard drugs like cocaine? 
Like, what, what do you think? Do you, do you envision that that would like? We all want cannabis, and it seems like cannabis is going to happen. It seems like it's on on the way to happen. I think you have to educate people more and be open to educate them properly instead of propaganda education, where it's you're just telling them half truths to let them know what you want them to know. Like in Europe, they're they're a little bit more with the shits in terms of, you know, how they deal with with alcohol, how they deal with drugs how they deal with nudity on tv just yeah. little things like that we are so uptight over here that it you know we're we're afraid to teach people about these things because we you know maybe that education will lead them there mm. as opposed to like say being upfront with them like look this is what it is this is what happens and all the other shit instead of hey this over here don't do it well and the problem it. is everybody's finding out from everybody else Right, it, it, you, it, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. You have to educate them properly. Yeah, not, you're, you're not getting good information from your friends about how much Molly you should take. Right, you can't let yeah. someone else educate them. You ha yeah. you have to be the one to do it. And instead of the sheltering that we've gotten through through most of our lives here, you know, us growing up, our yeah. generation, our parents didn't want to tell us shit. Just yeah. don't do that. Don't do that. And sometimes they didn't know how to explain why. Right. But we are in a different place and different time where energy, I mean, um, information is vast. Yeah. And you can get it at, at the click of a finger, you know, click f at, at a key on your computer. You know what I mean? Well, so you, you just got to also take into account that like people that live like us today, humans listening to this in 2023, this is a new type of person. This is a new type of informed person. People are so much more informed, even misinformed, than they've ever been before. You're dealing with an information overload that's oh, yeah. never, never existed before. And, you know, if you just go back a couple generations, like my, my grandparents came from Italy. <clears throat> so we're talking about, you know, they, they came over here during the Depression. They, they lived on a farm. Like it was like horrible, brutal shit yeah. in Italy. They came over to America. Like those people that just got on a boat before YouTube and just yeah. made their way they moved their whole family across the country those are wild people man wow and they were just trying to escape whatever the fuck was going on in europe which is probably even worse they're like fuck it i'll take a chance on a boat yeah and then they got to america and they fucking sign up you could just be an american back then yeah you know you could just show up and you're an american like there was it's not like today where it's like these rigorous background checks oh man like back then they just let immigrants in right like yeah. what what was it like to become an immigrant to america in 1920 i mean did they turn anybody away I don't think they turned anybody away, but like they definitely put them through it. Am I talking know? out of my ass? I mean, did they did they no, have an extensive they let thing that they do to be, let someone become an American citizen back then? It seems like it's hard today. I, I think for some folks, they got put to work. You know, yeah, you can come in here, but we're, we need yeah. this and this and that, and you're going to do that. Oh, okay. You know? Like, have you been watching Yellowstone at all? Yes. Have, have you watched prequel, like the 1883, no, not yet. 19... I love Yellowstone, though. Oh, man. It's watch, a great show. Watch the prequel. Um, the prequel, 1883, I is... I heard it's amazing. The, based off the Duttons coming from, I think, Tennessee or wherever they... Or Wyoming or something. I think it's Tennessee. But, like, them trying to get to Oregon. The original place they're trying to get to is Oregon. But they never make it there. I won't blow the story... And they end up going to Montana, but 
seeing how they trekked from one side of the country to the other and like the the shit they had to deal with from you know with bandits all along those trails and just the elements man like coming into the country and having to go across it um in the 1883 one it's 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 like they're going with a group of people it's not just their family they're going with a um a group of people that came from Germany and that are trying to go to Oregon because there's free land there. They don't have any money. All they have is what what they have with them that they brought from their their prospective parts of Europe. And, you know, they're trying to get from wherever they're at to Oregon and on the way, man, the, the shit that they go through. And, you, and it gives you sort of like that idea of what people were dealing with in that time. Crazy. Yeah, we can't even imagine living like that, and that's the only way you could live. Yeah. That's that's the way people lived back then. Yeah. That's, so what we're talking about today in 2023 is just a few generations removed from that. Yeah. I know it doesn't seem like it, but I had this joke that I used to do about the United States was funded founded in 1776. Uh, people lived to be 100. That's three people ago. Like, there's three yeah. people ago that live back <laughs> that were living like savages they brought slaves over on wooden boats powered by the wind three people ago yeah like that's how recent civilization is yeah. like in terms of like what we enjoy today yeah, like this civilized view of the world informed view of the world this is really recent yeah it's it's evolved into something <laughs> really different but... very very different yeah i mean it's going to be a power struggle and there's going to be a lot of fucking weirdness with people trying to dictate how you think and feel and what to do and what not to do but at the end of the day more people are being heard than ever before more people's voices are being heard than ever before yeah. more uh important issues are being raised that people weren't aware of more shit that you're not hearing about mainstream news it's really affecting your life and you're finding out more about people. There's way more information. It's an overall yeah. net positive. It's just a rocky ass road. For sure. With all with all these platforms, right? Bef before these platforms existed, where you could be a voice, maybe you didn't intend to, but you became one through through one of these platforms. Before they existed, all you ever had were the articles that might pop up on this website by this writer or that writer or whatever they got on the news. And obviously, they don't ever always tell you the full story on anything, you know, but when you got people that now can go on to any social media platform and tell you exactly what they saw yeah, without worrying about what the FCC is going to say about the reporting or what your senior editor staff is and staff is going to say about how you brought this story, you don't got to worry about any of that. Boom. You could yeah. capture that, talk about it. And it go viral, and now you're a voice because it's, you know people are listening to you now. Yeah, and it's, and that's it's a that's, different world. Yeah, that's different, and, and I, you have a bunch of voices now. Like the people will be heard now. It's, yeah, but the problem with that too, though, is now that you also have the troll generation that like they're there to troll anything, even if it's really good information. They're there to you know just bring it all down. And that because that's what they do. It doesn't matter if it's if it's something that's going to help someone. There's always those folks that want to come tear it down. There's always people that want to throw rocks at windows. Right. Yeah, that's true. But I kind of think the one thing that they do is they strengthen up the defense of whatever you're trying to promote. 
like it has to become more undeniable. Yeah. If trolls can yeah. crack your defenses, you got to use use them as fuel, yeah. basically. Yeah. You know. David Goggins says he takes all of his haters, like all the shit that they said to him, and he puts it on a, like a soundtrack, and he listens to it when he runs. <laughs> he, he says it out. He reads it out. Oh, shit. You know how that's psycho his, he is? That's his Rocky anthem? Yeah. <laughs> Dude, he, he puts shit that people say about him. He, he puts it on an audio track and runs on it. Uh, you know, I would imagine that's, that's likened to a boxer putting up the picture of the the other boxer that's mm -hmm. been talking shit the exactly. whole time or MMA fighter yeah. you know what i mean like boom here's this fucker on and the wall and in the movie on the day of the fight he rips the poster <laughs> down you yeah. motherfucker you motherfucker you're mine. fuck you i got you bitch <laughs> yeah that hey that hey that is an interesting way to fuel up like yeah. to to record all your hater statements <laughs> it's just play it back well, to yourself if you listen to david's life story david has uh two incredible books they're uh, they're amazing and one of the things about the books that's so amazing is you realize like what he endured as a child and what he went through like the the, the abuse that he received and how he came out of that this like unstoppable dude yeah. and he was like fat at one point in time he's open about all of it he was like 300 pounds and just drinking milkshakes and he couldn't mm. even run around the block and then he turned himself into that dude. He unlocked it. Yeah. It, you know, that goes to show you the strength that the human spirit has. Yeah. You can be shit on your whole life, um, deprived of these opportunities here or there, um, maybe not have the guidance from your parents or whatever, or maybe not even have any because, yeah. you know, some kids get abandoned and stuff like that. And to be able to pull out of that, and that not be the anchor that holds you down for the rest of your life. And and that's your excuse. Like, oh, well, the reason I wasn't able to do this was because of. You can always get past these things. You just got to look inside and then eventually let all that shit go and use it as fuel and strength. And it's great to hear when, when people actually do this because yeah. it is possible. We, we do have this ability in us. We just got to look deep inside even when it's ugly because that's the thing, right? Everybody wants it all nice. They want a great story and, and you know, you don't want all the ugliness, but sometimes life is ugly and we deal with it as people, d depending how you grew up, your mm -hmm. upbringing, or, you know, if you grew up in poverty or whatever, these are things that you deal with, but it doesn't define you. You could look within and unlock that shit that, that unlocks your full potential to take you out of that situation and, you know, put you in a better place and, and, allow you to evolve and grow and to be a better person yeah you know and not perpetuate any of the shit you went through to now your kids or whoever else you know that that is possible and people just got to know that that's possible it is possible and then you know there's people that take it to different levels some people just improve their life and then there's guys like goggins who's just always trying to push the boundaries of what's physically possible for a human body mm. to endure yeah, Which is just a nutty way to live your life. Like, just, just to fucking it's crazy. Run how... hundreds and hundreds of miles. You know, his knees were fucked up, like so fucked up that the doctor looked at it and said, I can't even believe you can walk on these knees. Forget about run thousands of miles. Yeah. Like he was just bone on bone on his knees and just enduring pain. It's crazy. Till the wheels fall off. You know what I mean? Till the wheels fall that, off. That's the human spirit. I mean, yeah. there's, there's, what's, it's one of these dudes who's a, uh, 
he he um he goes up Everest and he conquered like the what is it the how many summits are there that oh you mean Nimstein yeah yeah what how do you say his name he, he was a guest on the podcast I mean that's... I don't want to fuck up the pronunciation. I mean, that's crazy. That's an amazing uh, documentary. Was yeah. it 12 Peaks? Yeah, 12 Peaks. There you yeah. go. I mean, when you think what it takes to do that once. Nims Perja and his, uh, it's like, is Nims Jai his um, Instagram handle? Is that what it is? Uh, but fascinating dude. Yeah. And he, um, you know, just had, was a like a special operator and... Um, had incredible endurance. Yeah, I mean, like when his you... his endurance. It's like what he's capable of doing is fucking extraordinary. He goes up there with no air, man. He doesn't. <laughs> he doesn't have assisted air, and he's it, apparently has like VO two max is like through the roof. <laughs> That's crazy. When yeah. you think about what it takes to do one, one, and he's done, and he's done twelve, and he was banging them off quick. <laughs> you know what's crazy? I was, it, speaking of of that, did you did you catch the one? About when the earthquake hit, they they were at Everest, and um, there was it hit two different places. I think um, in the city, well, it, it affected three different places. It affected the city, this small village. I can't remember what it was called, and the people that were climbing up Everest. Like the, in there was like two camps, and the people that were in Camp One, they got stuck up there. For, for some time because when the earthquake hit like they had no idea on that day what what was co- what was happening for them right but the people that were at base camp pff, what happened there a lot of them got wiped out it was crazy was it an avalanche yeah it was an avalanche that came um it's 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 a it's a documentary that tells you what happened in that earthquake there you go aftershock it was um man it devastated three places like you wouldn't believe, man. Wow. I mean, because a lot of that is it, like old the, structure, yeah. Look at the devastation from Avalanche. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, that's from, just... from base camp over there. And this is in the city of Nepal, I believe. Right? You want to talk about like living in a totally different way. Yeah. Living up there at the base of those mountains. <laughs> man. What? What the fuck, man? I can't imagine being up there during an earthquake knowing that the avalanche is coming down. That's got to be one of the most fucked up ways to go, an avalanche. Yeah, I mean... seeing this mountain of snow coming your way. Imagine how many bodies are buried in that mountain. (sighs) That mountain's alive. Well, that's how those, like, (laughs) Iceman dudes, right? When they found that dude in the glacier, completely frozen, it's probably how he got taken out. Yeah. Something similar. Or fell, fell in a crack somewhere, got wiped out. Um, was I just going to ask you, what were we just talking about before that? It was pronunciation on dudes' names. No, I lost no, it. No, we passed it. God damn it, this that's, marijuana. That's stoner uh, thing. It I is. I was looking up before that was the, uh, immigration laws. Oh yeah, that was what it was. Oh, okay, so I have, uh, <clears throat> 1920 was the change of when all this started going down. Okay. After World War I, America became an isolationist nation in December 1920. In the context of isolationism, the international influenza pandemic, and a post-war economic recession, the U.S. House of Representatives voted to end all immigration to the United States for one year. Hmm. So that was just one year, though. 
So then they added, uh, so this, it got the interesting right down here. They had, they called midnight races where boats had to get into the shore by midnight or they were going to get fined for bringing people that huh. exceeded wow. the quota. Wow. So they have to like get in there quick. Mm-hmm. So they're racing to get to shore. Oh 100%. my God. And then like it, it, if they came an hour later though, they'd be allowed in on the next day's quota, which oh. got, it gets, sounds like it gets confusing. 1924, they figured it out. So for three years, it sounded like it was chaos. Wow. Yeah, and, uh, 1923 is that second, that second part of uh, Yellowstone. I heard that's amazing too. That's good. I heard too. they're all amazing. Yeah, that Taylor Sheridan's a bad motherfucker. He's a bad motherfucker. He's a I gotta say, bad motherfucker. Tulsa Those King show. is also dope. Have I've you heard seen it's that great. I've oh, heard it's great. Man. I haven't seen it. You know, I I thought it was gonna be corny when I first you know <laughs> saw it. When I saw the trailers for it, I'm like, oh, what's he doing? So that's just a little mobster in Oklahoma, and he's fucking killing it. <laughs> He's fucking killing it, I gotta tell you. And the storyline is hilarious. That's great. Yeah. Beautiful. Tulsa King. Yeah. <laughs> Bro, I can't think of Tulsa and King without thinking of Tiger King. Yeah. When I think of Oklahoma and Tiger, that guy. Man. He I had a run, though. Genuinely hoping Trump was gonna pardon him. He, he, he <laughs> got close. because I think it would be so crazy. He got if close. Trump pardoned him. That would have been one of the wildest. That would have been one of the wildest fuck yous. Yeah. Like, of all the shit. Because. How crazy is a presidential pardon? How crazy is it that there's a thing that if you become president, you can decide that you're going to take yep. a person who's in jail for the rest of their life and go, nope, not anymore, Frank. Yeah. Now you're out in the streets. What'd you do, Bobby? You sold cocaine? Well, don't you feel bad? Good. Mm. You're free. You, yeah. could do, you could do that if you're a president, how, how many which pardons, is crazy. How many pardons do they get to issue out? That's a good question. I don't know if there's a quota. I don't, I don't know if there's a, a cap on it. Because they all do at least one. Oh, but they, do, like, they do a lot. Uh, yeah, but like, what, what is the quota? Like, how many do they get to pardon? I think they do like, what's the most anyone's ever done? I'd like to know that. If there is a cap, I'd like to know if everybody hits the cap. Among the president's power is broad. It is not without accepted limitations. Perhaps the most important that the president can only pardon federal offenses. He cannot interfere with state prosecutions. Oh, okay. oh so anything federal. So anything he's federal. unlimited in terms of if there is a federal issue, he could issue a pardon. Is there a limit to presidential pardons? Uh, what is the only exception to the president's pardon power under the Constitution? The president's clemency power extends to all federal cl- criminal offenses except in cases of impeachment. Mm. So an impeachment. Okay, but so. So if you're if, so if the president's homie created a, uh, did a state crime, he can't do shit for him. But if it's a federal crime, he could totally say, yeah. I'm going to give you this get out of jail free card. That's wild. That's wild. It's wild that a, a one man can have that much power. Yeah. That's so crazy. And you know, like, what's different than state and federal is that state, you can get released early based off of what you do in that time. If you're an ideal inmate, you know, working and educating yourself and, you know, good behavior, right, as they call it, you might be able to cut some of your time off in state time. But federal time, you do pretty much 95% of it. There is no splicing that time down so realistically you want that card if you know yeah. if you're if you're creating federal crimes out there you you want the president to have that card could for you. you imagine the amount of text message donald trump got before he left office to those pardon particular my cousin guys? yeah pardon my friend's boss pardon this guy 
How many people do? Ooh, look at this. Oh, sh- Barack Obama pardoned 1,927 people. He hmm. seems like he's got the most of he got the most, yeah. Trump only had 237. Huh. So it was close. It was, <laughs> yeah, it was real 237 close. loyal people. <laughs> they were so loyal, these people. So uh, it seems like Obama had the most. But you know what, man? How many people are in jail for the wrong reasons? How many people Too many. are in jail for bullshit? How many people are in jail under false, false crimes, crimes they didn't commit? A, yeah, lot. a lot. Turns out a lot. A lot. They're still, they're still figuring out how they let some of these uh, people out that they were supposed to let out for cannabis in, in some of the states where it's legal. You yeah. Know, that's why um, la- the last pri- prisoner project exists so that they can go and help those folks in those states, provided that, you know, it, that it wasn't, I, I believe, that it wasn't, if it wasn't, um, let's say, a, a violent crime attached to it. You know, obviously they're mm-hmm. trying to get a lot of these people out because I think if 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 you got obviously a violent crime attached to your cannabis charge, they're not just letting you out. Mm. You've got to deal with yeah. whatever that is. But anything that was just cannabis related possession and that didn't have any of that. I mean, they're they're trying to get a lot of these people released, and they still haven't done that. Could you imagine going to jail? And then there was a story about a guy who got arrested in Phoenix. We talked about this before. He was a young kid. And I want to say he's 20, 21 years old. And he sold uh, weed to this uh, undercover cop a couple times. Mm. And then they got him for selling more than an ounce. And because he had a prior with something else, like an assault, but that he did his time. Here, a South Phoenix kid got 16 years in a slammer for one ounce of weed. So 16 years, they're punishing him for this. And now weed's legal in Phoenix. So this dude is now in a jail for selling something to an undercover cop who kind of, like, come on, man. Yeah. The undercover cop thing is so fucking... (laughs) If we knew the cops were just 100% honest all the time... Yeah, maybe but you're allowing cops to like professionally lie and go undercover to try to buy weed from a kid Yeah, like what are you wasting my tax dollars on motherfucker? They got nothing better to do Isn't there like someone stealing cars or breaking into houses out right. there that you can go handle? Why the fuck are you bothering yeah. this dude selling little bags of weed for a little extra money? Yeah, and to be able to put that guy in a cage for 16 for years 16 years while there's legal stores there now in the same place. Yeah insanity yeah, I mean, it's insanity. Yeah, and, and he's he's one of those cases that they should look at. You know, with the last prisoner project, they should look at a case like that and yes. be like, okay, we're gonna rally behind a guy like this. Because I mean, the, you the know, problem is he's not even wrongly accused. The problem is the the law as applied. That's fucking horrendous to do that to yeah. a twenty one year old kid to give him sixteen years for selling a, an ounce and a half of weed yeah. or whatever it was. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's it's crazy, man. That that's why people got to, you know, people got to make the change. They can't depend on politicians for no. this. You know what I mean? Like get get the group of people that will go out there and do the work and put this on the the state legislation and legalize it or decriminalize it in in your state so that shit like that does not happen. Yeah. And 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 it's legal in in Arizona. It's legal now. Where this guy's in jail, so yeah. it, it's so insane. Yeah, it's so insane. 
And, you know, I mean, you could go on and on about it, but, like, how many people have their lives ruined for no fucking reason? Yeah. No logical reason. It doesn't make any sense at all. Well, you know, when you think about that half of the politicians out there and legislators and, you know, some even in the entertainment industry, you know, they're invested in private prisons. They want to keep them prisons full. Yeah, there's a little bit of that. So there's there's uh, that part too. So, you know, a lot of things, a lot of laws to, to a lot of folks in different places are unfair, inter- especially as it relates to cannabis. Well, what's really wild is there's this massive history of human usage, right? It goes back thousands and thousands of years. And then... In the 1930s, they decide to do this propaganda campaign against weed, and they do Reefer Madness. Reefer Madness, yeah. And all these fucking movies that show people smoking pot and going crazy and losing their fucking minds, and yeah. it just lets you know, this is going to take hold of your children. So they turned this thing that everybody had always used into this new drug. Yeah. And they called it marijuana. And you know, as well as I know, that's not the that's the name for a wild Mexican tobacco. Yeah. They came up with a name yeah. and attached it to cannabis, which people had always used. And they turned it into this scary thing. Yeah. And then they told farmers, like, you could still grow it for hemp, but uh, all this weed smoking shit, this is over, kids. We're going to, you know, yeah. we're going to make this illegal. You're going to need a tax stamp for that hemp. And, and these fucking, they, they figured out a way to get people to believe that this thing that people had taken forever was fucking dangerous and ruining lives. And that propaganda from the 1930s from those movies still works today yeah the momentum of it 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 raised our grandparents our grandparents raised our parents it's it's in us it's like the dumbest the dumbest shit it's true fortunately it stopped at our parents like a lot of people got open after that and actually turned their parents on because like when you go into dispensaries now you see cats our age right and obviously younger people but you see seniors up in there as well you know mm-hmm. whether they're in there for edibles or they're going to smoke flour or even concentrates which trips me out but <laughs> again <laughs> that, 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 that the old folks like get down with that but um you see it and 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 fortunately that's because there's a lot of information out there now that you don't you know like if if you're not sure about that propaganda that you grew up to you can always now do your own diligence and do your own homework and find other articles based on cannabis that will tell you positive things. And this is things they've never realized or thought of or heard before. And it opens up their world. Now it's, it's not enough of them because I think if, if it was, you know, if it was common knowledge amongst everybody that this is a healing plant and aside from casual use, it, it can benefit people, more people would embrace it. Um, and you see that happening, but it's just slow for some yeah. reason still. Everything's slow, man, because we were like we were talking about before, I think people have preconceived notions that they don't want to dismiss. They don't want to let go of. Even yeah. when they're confronted with new evidence, they want to like still stay, no, nah, weed is for losers. Weed's or, for goddamn losers. Or a gateway. Yeah. It's a goddamn gateway drug. 
Yeah. Listen, Mr. Be Real, you might be able to do it and do it, but what if my son starts doing ketamine afterwards and fighting with the cops? <laughs> kicking out back windows. Yeah, kicking like, out back windows like, barefoot. Like Kenny Loggins. <laughs> Footloose. I would say one of his friends turned him on to the ketamine. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it doesn't have anything to do with weed. It's got nothing to do with yeah, weed. Yeah, but the idea that you couldn't go from alcohol to cocaine is so stupid. Of course you could. Is that a gateway to coke? Because I know a lot of people who drink and they do coke. Yeah. It's like, it's those things are, it's, one doesn't create the other stupid. You know what it is? It's, it's a gateway drug. People and your own choices are the gateway. Yeah. Not this or that. That's what's important, right? <laughs> the people you hang with. Yeah. You can hang with some people that will buy some street coke and put you in a coma. That's right. Yeah. I mean, and imagine, like, they're the ones who live. Right. And your, your friends... You know, you were the you were the the party provider, and Oof. a couple of your friends are Oof. now gone. Oof. I mean, to deal with that, and it's happening all over the country. Yeah, it's the, you know, what is it? A hundred thousand people now a year, somewhere in the neighborhood of a hundred thousand people die. I mean, you think about fentanyl? how many like opiates? How many folks that like are just the average Joes that you know that that are like. On the everyday, and then you think about the celebrities that that have been taken by the shit. So in uh, 2021, it's 70,601 people died from a fentanyl overdose in the U.S. Holy shit. That figure is up 25% from 2020. Did you see that news story last week um, where they, they seized a shipment that had enough fentanyl to kill every American in the United States. Yeah. That was the story. Yeah, I did see that. That was crazy. Deaths invo uh, involving synthetic opioids other than methadone, uh, primarily fentanyl, continued to rise with 56,516 overdose deaths reported in 2020. So it just keeps going up. Yeah, man. So it's nearly double the amount of fentanyl overdoses in, 2020, in 2019. In 2020 that should scare the shit out of cokeheads, but you know some of them are not phased by Fucking this wild that's wild so between what did it say between 2019 and 2021 it doubled the amount of deaths is that what it said no, up 25 oh, but from the, what was the one that it said afterwards is it double the time before that what was the last quote Can you put it back up? Yes, yeah, it's nearly up there. Up and is nearly doubled the amount yeah, of fentanyl overdose. From okay, so that's was, what I'm saying. So that figure is up from 25% of 2020, 2019. and nearly double the amount of fentanyl overdose deaths in 2019. That's crazy. That's that's that. Look at the peak. Look at the spike. If you look at the graph, it's going up. That's crazy. Mm. Wow. Jesus Christ. So That's people, what's so sketchy about illegality. Well, you know, you know I hate it, to fucking beat a dead horse. And and some of it is is not not even coke. Some of it is the pills. Like because now yeah. you know they're like putting it in the pills and shit like that. Yeah, so, they're putting in fake stuff. Like you get a fake Xanax that has has that in it. You can yeah. get a you know fake Ambien that has that in it. Yeah, man. Uh, people whose doctors won't prescribe them stuff anymore. Like, bro, if, if your doctor is saying no to you, <laughs> yeah, doctors yeah. are like happy to. What are you in pain? Yeah. You oh, need, you need, you need something? Bobby. Here, let me write you this shit up. There you quick. go. I'll, I'll hook you up, pal. Hey, I got to say, man, 
thank you for coming and doing the smoke box. My pleasure. People loved it. It was fun. I got way too high, though. (laughs) The thing about Be Real is he takes you and him and his guys, you get high before you even get in that stupid box. So by (laughs) by the time you get in the smoke box, you're already barbecued. And there's no air in that room. It's all just weed. And I was it, I was sitting there going, oh my god! Yeah, I, I think, barely formed sentences. I think we did have the windows up. That's when we did have the windows up. We don't we don't have the windows up anymore. We have this shear that goes down, so a little bit of smoke. <laughs> but you guys go so hard before the show even starts. Look at me! Look how close my eyes are! I can't even see. Did he get? Did, see, that's E Zone back there. Um, did he give you a dab before you went in? I don't remember. I remember just being obliterated. Because I remember having to tell him, like, hey, man, don't be giving our guests a dabs before they get in the box, man. They're not going to make it through it. I don't think I did. He did it to Doug Benson, bro. <laughs> oh, my God. Doug was devastated. <laughs> I mean, at first I thought it was a bit, right? I thought <laughs> Doug was, like, giving me the bit, right? But it was high as fuck. Yeah, like when I left, I left hours later, right? <laughs> I'm rolling down the street. I see Doug reclined in his, his front seat of his car, just low, chilling there. Like he had to actually take a pause before he left. Of course. Um. Yeah, you better. Yeah. You don't. You don't want to be shaky while you're out there driving your Tesla. Oh man. <laughs> yeah, he was. Uh, he was definitely affected. Uh, <laughs> Stay put. Stay put. Let that wear off. Do take a walk around the block. <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't get yeah. in the fucking car. Take a little walk. Don't get yeah. in the car. Don't try to drive. <laughs> you know, because I've, I've I, I smoked out with Doug before, and um, we, he took a hit of our like eight footer. We were doing a um a show with um, Sublime with Rome, somewhere can't remember. But this was like a tour we did with them, and one show we we specific with it was towards the end of the tour. We broke out the bong, and Rome wanted to hit it. it? And I think, yeah, that's it right there. It was made by Roar. Whoa, and, look and at I, that thing. And Rome wanted to hit it because he had seen me hit it with Doug. And, um, you know, we took we took a hit of that bong, and Rome had to, like, he had, he had to leave the party for a while and collect himself. That looks ridiculous. <laughs> that's just too much. That bong right there is too much. That's too much. I'll be honest with you. When Bobo started, like, hitting it, I stopped hitting it. I was like, I used that as a, no, no, well, Bobo wants to hit it. Let him do it. Look at the size of that thing. Well, yeah, um, it's it's a thick it's a thick tube all the way down. Like, Is that uh, glass? Yeah. So oh, that's a delicate piece of instrument right there. Yeah, it's almost, it's almost uh, been crushed a couple times. It's a, <laughs> that, that one's like a six, six foot four. Um, a six foot four piece of glass. That's really delicate, isn't it? That one right there, you could break down. You see in the in, oh, there's segments to it. Yeah, there's segments oh. to it. Roar made it so we could break it down. But this one over here, to what do you put it in like a like a fucking. Yeah, we had a road case for it. Oh wow! So we would just shuffle <laughs> it off. Case. But the other one that's uh, where I'm lighting it for Eric Bobo. It's uh, I think it's further down, just a little bit further down. Where was it? Now, where he's standing on a box. It's an eight-foot piece. That's one long-ass piece. There's no, you know, we didn't have a case for that one. That one. And we still have both of them. Neither of them is broken, fortunately. Fantastic man. job. When they ask for our Hall of Fame piece, we'll be like, here, put this in there. It Take. made it. Yeah, hey, man, those two bongs, 
toured as long as any one person <laughs> toured with us, man, and they lived. That's incredible. That shows the deep respect you guys have for the bong. This one here. That one's ridiculous. Yeah, that's an eight-footer made by Zong. How many pieces is that? That's just one piece. That's insane. How do you carry that around? Uh, very carefully. Each town? <laughs> You yeah. have one in well, storage in each town. We used to have to put it in the bunk area of of the of the bus and like tape it to the edges of of the floor so that nobody. And that's all glass. That's all glass. Yeah. Wow. We took that thing around with us for like ten years and it never broke. Fortunately, it's it sits in my studio now. How many kids have used plastic bongs and inhaled some fucking weird shit through the plastic? Oh man. I mean, I think we all started that way. I mean, that like the the first bongs that that we were hitting that I remember were the acrylic um, graphic bongs. Yeah, graphics. You know, another thing I remember is we used to smoke out of pipes, and I was like, <laughs> "Why does this always taste like lighter fluid?" And I realized I'm inhaling lighter fluid. You yeah. fucking idiot! Because you always like. And then and, and then those were fucking like metal pieces. Yeah, that, like no one, none of us had really. We didn't know. No. We just didn't know. We didn't know. <laughs> now we know. Now we know. Yeah, look at this plastic bong. It's For sure, you're getting some fucking, all that stuff that Shanna Swan talks about, it's, all the phthalates and everything. Yeah, it's it's a metal bowl. bowl. Filtered through water. Acrylic plastic bong, whatever. Yeah. Don't you think that some heat gets to the base of that plastic being the close proximity to the fire? And don't you think that would affect with the way the, the plastic leaches into the water? I'm I'm here for a natural, healthy bong experience. I mean, it could. (laughs) The thing you should be worrying about in that scenario. (laughs) It could, but I I think what they used for the downstem was was uh, you know, it's hard to say. It's hard to say. I think they used a glass downstem. Wow. So it's it sort of had a little bit of separation, but yeah, I mean, it got way better when 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 the bong started being made of glass. Yeah, it was just a better experience. Yeah, you're, you're not supposed to be sucking on plastic all day. Nah, just it, it just seems <laughs> seems very dorm room too. Oh man, once it once Jerome Baker came out with his crazy ass pieces, man, it just blew the the whole glass piece world up. We fucked up many a podcast early in the day because we used the volcano. Oh yeah. <sighs> we would do these podcasts on. I'd have the volcano right next to us. We would fill that bag up. If you don't know what a volcano is, folks, it's a it's a um, vaporizer, and you put the the weed in over this heating element, and it blows smoke. It blows the the smoke. It's like a mist, actually, not the smoke. It heats it to a set specific temperature that melts the THC crystals, but doesn't burn the flower. And so then it all goes into this bag, this mist. Yeah. And it's a giant ass bag, and you. Yeah, those are the best, man. And you go. Deep, you go, but sometimes you go too deep. You don't know what the fuck you're talking about while you're talking. Yeah, like while you're talking, you're trying to figure out what you're saying because you're too high. It's a good blast, and and the flavor's good. Yeah, have you have you tried Very relaxing? Yeah, doesn't it's not harsh at all. Yeah, have you tried using the Stunden glass? Have you ever seen that? No, what's that? It's a it's a gravity it's a gravity piece you could use for flour or concentrate. We use it for concentrate, mm. right? And uh, Seth Seth Rogen was the first guy that anybody seen with it. They sent him a piece, and it's this one. Whoa! He was the first one with it, but we did a collaboration with these guys. Holy but you flip shit. each flip pushes out a hit, right? And you could do hookah with it, or you can do flour with it. But again, we we use it for um, 
we use it for for concentrates because the taste that comes out of it is crazy but what we'll do on our show is like the first 30 minutes we have a, a we try to have a no curse rule right and, and it's just for sport so whoever curses got to either do a shot or five flips from the stunt. <laughs> five. Oh man one day oh, i did no one day i ramped up and and had to do 30 hits because i was just oh no out of pocket that th <laughs> that first 15 minutes i was like fuck this shit that bro out of pocket <laughs> is one of the greatest statements ever i love that statement i love when people say out of pocket <laughs> yeah i've never confidently said out of pocket <laughs> we could do that for the next protect our parks Dude, I have one. I'll bring it. Dude, that's what we're doing. Whoever gets fucked up, let's go out. champ. Penalty hit. You uh -huh. know who's not gonna do it is Shane. Shane gets scared of the weed. It's too bad. He's a Bud Light man. He likes to get barbecued. So you guys on the Bud drink Bud Light. Lights, and if he any penalty he has, he's, he's gonna, gonna have, have to go. Yeah, <laughs> and hey, it works. I tell you, that day I was so blown out by the end of the show. When I got home, I was like, it hit me later. It didn't hit me in while we're sitting there doing the show. It got me when I got home. I was sitting there, and I don't go to sleep till like 11, 30, 12 o'clock, something like that. And by 10 o'clock, I was like, <laughs> like <just> struggling. <laughs> and I knew it was from the 30 hits. Oh, oh. <laughs> 30 hits is so crazy. That's so deep. We yeah, we, pun we punish each other like this. <laughs> what is that one on the, the right? That's a beverage? Thing. So they made yeah. an infuser so that you could smoke the drink. Oh my God, don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. Don't do it. You know what I fucked up once? This this uh, weed shop near my house uh, had uh, those Keurig cups. Their coffee it was coffee mixed with hash oil. Oh man. Mm. Dude, I would drink a cup of coffee and not even notice and f almost kind of forget that it had the hash oil in it, and then an hour later, I'm reading minds. <laughs> an hour later, I'm like seeing intentions in people, I'm feeling tenseness and relaxation, and I'm like, whoa, this is so strong. Edibles are so fucking strong. Yeah, they are, man. You gotta like be looking at the milligrams on the package per piece. Yeah. Like for us, we've been doing like um, RSO in full spectrum hemp oil. For me, I use it for sleep, right? Because I, I never, for me, I've been an insomniac forever. So like, it's it, it's hard for me to get full REM sleep, right? Do you do you take something to go to sleep every night? I never did, but my boy put me onto the full spectrum oil, and because I always thought, oh, well, I smoke weed. What do I need that for? But it's different. It's different, man. Uh, so he told me because most of the time they come in in the syringes. I'm sure you've seen them. Um, there's the the amber color ones, which are it's full spectrum hemp oil, full spectrum oil, but it's pressed. Right. Right. That's that's how it's it's uh, extracted, and that's why it looks amber. The the one that's darker is through through alcohol, right? Mm. And so that one, when you see the syringe, it looks dark. It looks ugly, but it's effective, right? So. It, they tell you, you know, like if, if, if you're using it for medical purposes, eventually you want to get to the full syringe, right? <laughs> this is like uh, yes. weed steroids. Right. If, if Like when you're using it, like like so cancer patients, when they're starting to use this, they, they tell them to use like, you know, they go mi with micro dosage, right? So mm -hmm. like a kernel, a rice kernel. And really? you work your way up, your tolerance, you work your way up to eventually being able to take the whole syringe. <gasps> But that's that's when you're you know using it for a treatment for like cancer and other serious things like for us for, for like I'm using it for sleep right <laughs> I was doing the kernel and I said okay I could feel it but I don't really feel it feel it so I went up 
in, in dosage, right? And I started going up a little bit. And one day, <laughs> one day, I really did it to myself, right? Like I, I keep them in the fridge to keep them, you know, fresh and stuff like that. But they're a little bit hard to get through the syringe because it's oil. So it like, you know, it's a little, <laughs> you got to warm it up for it to like go through the syringe quicker because I put them in gel caps but this was before I started putting them in gel caps right so I'm like about to hit hit myself with the dose right and I'm pushing a little bit harder than I should boom the whole damn thing goes in and I was on for the ride and but I tell you I had the best (laughs) sleep of my life and that's when I was like okay maybe I'll just take a little bit more so I start putting like 400 to 500 milligrams (laughs) in the gel caps and I'm popping them and I'm like full sleep. But you have to time them out proper. For me, the way they hit me is I could take the RSO at like, let's just say 7 p.m. And I'll start feeling it around 11, 11.30. And then by the time I go to sleep, boom, I'm, I'm good. If I take it at 9, I don't feel it. I'll go to sleep. It'll hit me around 3 in the morning and wake me the fuck up and say, I'm here. Like mm. the RSO has arrived. You'll go back to sleep, but when you wake up, you're gonna be high all that morning. Like I don't even I didn't even need to smoke. The morning that that happened, I was like, I didn't even want to touch a joint. I was still so fucking high that I was like, ah <laughs> that's one of the problems with these kids today. They're going too hard. And they're gonna come up with a, a way to make it even more powerful. You know they are. All those psycho botanists are out there. Oh yeah. Fucking with the flowers. Oh yeah. I don't know what the real numbers are because they say there was always really strong weed back in the day. You just had to get really strong weed, but there was a lot of whack weed. Yeah. But now there's no whack weed. There's very little whack weed. I mean, it's still out there, but really? you would have to find it. You got to go looking for yeah, it. Yeah, you got to go looking for they it. They started selling a milder weed for some folks. Yeah. I've seen that where people say, I just want a light weed. Do you have anything that's light? And yeah. like, this is mild THC. Which yeah. is probably strong. You don't want to sell everybody moonshine. Yeah, because everybody gets, well, people that ain't used to it, that they don't have the tolerance yet, they catch the anxieties and have a bad experience, yeah. and then they don't want it again. And mm-hmm. uh, and yeah. your bud tenders have to know this. When they're, when bud they're, tenders. Yeah, that's, <laughs> at the dispensaries, your bud tenders have to know this to explain this yeah. to somebody like, you know, ask them questions. Is this your first time at a dispensary? What do you, you know, how are you? looking to feel like what do you you know what i mean ask the proper questions right so that you don't blow this person out right and ruin the experience and maybe if they're taking it because they don't want to do pharmaceuticals and they they want to try using it in you know for medicinal purposes you don't want to like push them away from that because they're looking at this for an alternative and if you're just trying to blow them out and get them high and you're not even focused in on what they're there for I mean, you lost someone, you know what I mean? So it's it's all boils down to education and, and the willingness to do that. Yeah, for sure. That you got to train some of these, like a lot of these dispensaries train their bud tenders in this, you know, like. Yeah, there should be some sort of a certificate that you have to yeah. earn to know what the fuck. <laughs> you, can't, yeah. you can't over-prescribe. Yeah. You, you got to understand like sober people too who've never tried it before is like oh the dispenser well, it's legal now why don't yeah. i try it and they go in there you don't blow their fucking head off yeah. in one shot and most people like if 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 the if the bud tender is not educated in this way or does just doesn't give a fuck and it's just a job and you're you know you're not even really a smoker yourself they'll do that to somebody 
Oh, no. Because either they don't know or just they don't Funsies. care. Yeah, they don't care. What would you tell someone if they had never, if they were sane, no mental health problems, never tried any edibles before? What would you say, like 10 milligrams? 10 milligrams. That's good, right? Yeah, that's that's perfect. That's like, ooh, Because they're going nice. to feel it, but it's not going to be overwhelming. Right. It's a comforting little hug from marijuana. Like, hey, yeah. hey and then friend. When you get used to that, yeah. bump it up to 20, you know? Yeah, 20, though, can get slippery. Yeah, 20 can get slippery. That's why you got to build your tolerance to that. I remember they used to have those breast strips. Remember the breast oh, strips? Yeah. Bro. Bro. Oh. I took one with Tommy, um, Tom Segura, and he was almost going to tell, that by, by the time the plane was taken off, he was already gone. And he was almost going to tell him to stop the plane. He wanted to get off. Mm. He said he was fighting the urge to tell them to stop the plane. I'm like, oh my God, thank God you didn't. Oh, Imagine man. if you got, I got to get off this plane. If you fucking just oh, really, because sometimes people are that close to losing it. Yeah. But by the time we landed, wherever the fuck we were going, I think we were going to New York. By the time, somewhere it was a long flight. <laughs> by the time we landed, he was okay. Yeah. But it was, you know, he was like, dude, he looked over me. He goes, that was touch and go. I almost told them to stop the plane. I go, no. You could, you no. could, you could go to the uncomfortable levels. This is for sure. Yeah. I, I've been there. Meanwhile, I was on a plane once and uh, I gave some to John Jones and he took two of them oh, and just man. smiled. I go, don't take both of them at once. He goes, oh, <laughs> God damn it, John Jones. <laughs> We were all just on that plane, but John was smiling. But I guess when you're the baddest motherfucker on earth, what do you got to worry about? What do you got to worry about? He's he's having the time of his life. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you think that fight's going to happen with him? And uh... yes, with Cyril gone. Man, that's yeah, going to be something. That's in March. Yeah, I'm I'm sad that he's not fighting Francis Ngannou, but I'm happy he's fighting Cyril gone. I'm happy to see him back, and I'm happy yeah. to see that fight. That's a legit heavyweight who's a d dynamic striker. That yeah. Cyril gone guy is fucking. Deadly. He's sick with it, man. Like, He's so good as a striker. Yeah. His striking is so beautiful. Have you watched that knockout of Tai Tuivasa? Did yeah. you see that fight? Yeah. Dude. Ridiculous. Dude, it's those combinations. And Tai Tuivasa was throwing hammers, too. What's, I mean, it was, uh, I mean, Tai was firing back, too. For And for a big guy, he's light on his feet. Very like, light on his feet. He can move. Like, his footwork is really good. It's very different. He's yeah. very different than any other heavyweight. In, in the UFC. Yeah. Like, he's he, he's really light on his feet, and he attacks a lot with his front leg. He stabs you in the stomach with his front leg. Yeah. He does it from a weird stance, too. He stands sideways, and then when he throws his front kick, it's almost like a twisting kick. Right. Like, he twists out and stabs you in the stomach. So he's totally sideways, but it's, he can still front kick you. It's almost like a karate type of mm -hmm. technique or something, right? Well, in Taekwondo, they had a twisting kick. Yeah. That you do it like that. It was very, not very many people got real yeah, good it's at a, it. It's it wasn't outward, a staple. Yeah, it's an outward. Yeah. Yeah. But with. Yeah, it's it's a weird twist, but I, you can, I know you can land it. Guys have landed it and knocked people out with it. It's just it's awkward. It's yeah, a weird. You're because you're throwing a kick instead of throwing it up and straight. You're throwing it at a right angle. If yeah, it's right leg. But um, he hits people in the stomach with that. That's crazy. He does it all the time, yeah. and he's the only one I've ever seen do it. So like, if you were in training camp. With him, you'd probably have to adjust to that. Like, yeah. oh shit! Like, when someone has like a really good front leg, it, it can fuck a lot of people up. And as a heavyweight, he's probably got, like one of the best front legs ever. Yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting fight because because yeah. the way John attacks with on that front mm -hmm. leg too. Yeah, you yeah, know, John the, John's of, very good at chopping at those legs. Yeah, the unorthodox kicks he he lays mm -hmm. down every now and then. Also, John's wrestling is out of this world he's yeah. so he took down daniel cormier yeah that's all you need to know yeah he took down daniel cormier 
I mean, that's that's a big fucking deal. He's one. He's the baddest yeah. motherfucker out there. Yeah. That's what they say, right? I'm just so curious to see him come back because you got to think three years out. You know, building up his frame, becoming a heavyweight, doing it the right yeah. way, doing it slowly, getting accustomed to the the extra mass. Do you feel like? Do you feel like he's doing like what Evander Holyfield did before he became a heavyweight? Because Evander was a cruiserweight before mm -hmm. he became a heavyweight. And yeah, I believe Evander worked. Did he work with Mackie Shillstone, or was that the guy who worked with Leon Spinks? Some there's a famous uh, fitness trainer who who worked with them. Who bulked him who out? Bulked Evander up, and they did it hardcore. And a lot of people like were criticizing because in the old school uh, boxing mentality, you weren't supposed to lift weights. Yeah, because lifting weights would slow you down. Yeah. And, you know, they they thought that wasn't correct. And it was like, now we know it's not correct. But yeah. back then, fighters didn't lift weights. Um, Lee Haney trained him, too. That's oh, crazy. Oh, shit. But I, I think, In I don't think weeks. it was just Lee Haney. There was this guy that he worked with that was famous. Fred Hatfield overhauled. Yeah. Yeah, that, I, well. So it looks like Lee Haney definitely helped did. him. Yeah. Lee Haney definitely helped him. And there was this other guy. And then there was another guy that did it with Michael Spinks, too. I think that was Mackie Shillstone. Same deal. Yeah. Michael Spinks, who was a light heavyweight champion, yeah. went up and beat Larry Holmes. That's right. And that's how they did it. It's crazy how they worked their way up like that because Evander, you know, mm -hmm. he was in there fighting monsters. So monsters. was Mike. When you think about yeah. how big those guys were in comparison, in comparison oh, yeah. to the guys they were fighting. Dude, Mike in his prime was like 220. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's, with Mike, what people forget, everybody remembers the knockouts. Everybody remembers the destruction, but people don't remember is the head movement. And the, the footwork. The head movement was extraordinary. His the footwork, his extraordinary. footwork was crazy. It was almost like like almost like a martial artist. If you look at 100%. like the way that his twitch muscle ability to like move his feet and shift. Mm-hmm. I mean, almost it, like a guy who kicks. Yeah. 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 I, I, imagine if he had gotten in. <laughs> Oh my God! To MMA, he would destroy everybody. Oh my God! He would have destroyed everybody. There's yeah. there's certain guys that are just in their prime. That if you if he had gone to an MMA school with Customato, like yeah. the same dude, in, but an MMA school, yeah, like right now. Mm. Oh my God! Yeah. Oh my God! Greatest Good luck. Ever, greatest ever. Dude, Good right? luck yeah. stopping the Good power luck. double from Mike Tyson. Good luck stopping that fucking guillotine. Good luck stopping those leg kicks. You know what's crazy is guys like him are just different. Like the way Shaq is different. Like a lot of the, them NBA centers, they they can't move around like that dude. Like right he, for being so big. Yeah, for being yeah. so big. I mean, he was into martial arts. He was into mm -hmm. break dancing, and and you got to be agile for that. And oh yeah, and and athletic and guys like that with that kind of ability, man, they're just it's different. It, you know, dude, a lot of break dancers are crazy strong. Yeah. We had a big uh, influx of break dancers into jujitsu a while back with the Martinez brothers. Yeah, my friends uh, Richie and Gio, they were these um, crazy break dancers. They can do wild shit with their body. Oh man. yeah, spin around on their hands and you know, all that wild shit that those guys do requires incredible strength, strength and body control. And when those guys got into jujitsu, man, they excelled so quickly. Oh, yeah. Because even though they look like regular people, like they got strength, yeah, they've got crazy farmer strength. Oh yeah, it's that far. It's like real oh, similar. Yeah, there's this guy from France. His name is B Boy Junior, right? And this dude, like, amazes people with the type of strength he's got. Like he he's got this move where he could lift his back legs and his and and they're and they're moving and he's on his fingertips. You know how like people do those three finger push ups? Yeah, he's lifting his whole damn body up. 
off the ground and he's like it's amazing people are like is this dude alien or what because what is his name b-boy jr here he goes jamie's got it. look at this guy oh my god how look at that so what we're looking at is a guy who goes he goes from lying on his stomach to pulling his body weight off the fingertips and going into a standing handstand watch that again how you know much strength is involved in doing that and then throws his legs all the way back backwards until they almost touch the ground then spins around there's this there's this one clip where he looks like patrick beverly <laughs> but he does the wildest move dude if this guy got into jujitsu he would dominate people guaranteed he oh, would yeah. dominate he would yeah. get good at it so quick yeah look at this guy look look Just to have that kind of physical ability with your body look at this you know, look at that. Look at, oh, my God. He held that. Insane. Insane. Insane, yeah. And, I mean, it's more extreme even than, like, yoga. But, like, a lot of jujitsu guys after Hickson, they got into yoga. Hickson was, like, the first guy that was, like, really into yeah. yoga that was also, like, a jujitsu jitsu He was champion. doing different things, man. Yeah, man. He was he was super agile. And he, could, he was doing this uh, workout in Santa Monica. And I think it's on the, it, there's a video of a, him on the beach and he's doing like rings and balance bars and he's doing like a standing split on a balance mm. bar. And he's a professional strangulation artist. Right after it cuts oh the next my thing, God. Uh, one finger. This one, this, this is the what? thing. Look at that. That's insane. Like I did it too. He's like, it's not that hard. Well, he did it for a second. That dude held it. No, yeah. The, it's, the, the way he can hold his his moves, man, he's just crazy. The agility is insane, but that's a thing that people don't appreciate <laughs> enough about breaking. They think about break dances like silly kids out there with their music yeah. spinning around on their butts. No, 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 no. You got to watch. Serious. Go to Stance Elements Instagram page yeah, and crazy. You see like the the greatest ones that are doing it today. I think that's it's it's amazing that they're finally making that. An Olympic sport. They should. Yeah. I mean, it, <laughs> yeah. They should. These guys are incredible. This yeah. Look, oh, this, this is, is the one I'm talking incredible. about. This is the one I'm talking incredible. about. Incredible. Right Look at this. That the, what we're looking Hold at on. is a guy Let's like standing on. on his hands with his feet like parallel on. to the floor behind Let's him. Look, the fact <laughs> that he can do that. This is insane. Ah, <laughs> uh, it is crazy. I mean, you have to be so physically elite to be able to pull that off, and. But it's a sport. Yeah. Like people had connected it to like they're athletes. Just being, yeah, they are athletes. They're 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 entertainment athletes. You know what I mean? Like, but let me ask you this: When did the when did that happen? I believe um, it's it's slated to go into the Olympics for this next run. But what, when did these guys become this athletic? Oh, because um, it didn't used to always be like I, that, right? You know, I think as as every every art form evolves yeah uh, i think they just started challenging themselves and trying different things and seeing what um cats were doing on the gymnastic floor yeah like trying to like figure out how do i develop these new moves and stuff like that and just trying to take it to a new level and i think they they discovered within that that they could do these power type moves as a part of it because you didn't see a lot of the freezing that you see now where he's pausing and holding that up you know it was up all about the movement on the floor like the spins to the head the hands and you know up up top when you're doing a 1990 or whatever you, you see a lot of that in the combinations but now you're seeing more strength along with those combinations it's a mixture of the the combinations you see of the aerial moves or the floor moves into a power 
move that he did like yeah. on his fingers like that that's the shit they're adding now like where before it was all just combinations there was no power style moves like that that existed and i don't know where it came from man i just i just know that like you you see the way that they do this they, they just they the fact that they they kept it going there was no place to go but evolve and do some different things and, and what were you uh, just showing us jamie he had polio when he was a kid that same guy yeah yeah Part what he's turned his disability into an advantage he says he said he contracted polio sure. when he was three years old the difference between me and the other kids became evident when i realized that i couldn't run as fast as them but i've never given in i focus on sports like table tennis and boxing and when i when i played football i was the goalkeeper Whenever people would make me feel like I couldn't do something, I worked extra hard to prove them wrong, and then he became this freak street dancer. That's unbelievable. That's that. That's that human spirit. We're that's unbelievable. Because that what he can do is insane. Yeah, it doesn't even make sense. Like you just go, how? Where? How yeah. do you? How yeah. does someone move their body like Where'd that? You get this how the fuck strength? do you go all the way back and then forward? Like that's. Yeah. But those guys, those guys got into jujitsu, man. Woof. Oh yeah. Woof. Wrestling. Yeah. Jujitsu. Any of that. Yeah. Their abilities are crazy, and, and you know it's great that they're finally getting recognized for that. Like by you know putting them in into the Olympics, yeah, somewhere you know. Oh, for sure. I mean, it's so wild to watch too. It's so easily recognizable how impressive it is. They're, it's not like you have to know anything. Like you know, you just watch what they're doing physically, and you're like, oh my god. Yeah, that, there's a lot of great, great guys um, doing this right now. There's this dude named B Boy Pocket from South Korea. Oh, yeah. We've talked about him on the podcast. Oh, man. Insane. He, he is crazy. His, I put him on my Instagram page. Yeah, it doesn't his, even make sense. His, his his legs look like baseball bats just whipping around when yeah. he does his moves. It's crazy. Yeah. he, he Pull up some of that dude's stuff. His stuff is, it, it doesn't even make sense, like how he's able to move his body. It's like he's defying gravity. Yeah. How do you not put this in the Olympics? So look how he's spinning around without, without his feet touching the ground. Yeah. Like, that's insane. He's on his fingertips. It's nuts. Like the kind of strength involved in something like that is, you <laughs> that. can't even, it just spun around on his head 30 times. He's going to wear a bald spot on his yeah. head for sure, <laughs> yeah. right? 100%. Some. He's fucked. Yeah, dude, you're going to wear your head out. Hey, this guy, he's, he's, got, he's got so much ferocity in his moves, man. Like, like when you see other people do these combos, they're not as fast. No. As, well, as his, it's crazy. It, the way he does it almost seems impossible. It's like if I saw this, and uh, I would assume this is animated. I'm like, this is AI. This is like an AI person. Yeah. People can't move like that. It's like when you see a 3D, uh, you know, a CGI kung fu movie, and someone's flying through the air. Yeah. That's what that looks like. You think it's like, it's like, like if- Outside it the realm of the possible for humans. Yeah. It yeah. looks like it's effects. Yeah. That's how good that guy is. It's crazy. It's crazy because that, that art form really did sort of emerge- from like when was the first breakdancers? When was it in the late 80s? I think it was 70. First breakdancers? The first breakdancers were 77, maybe 78. Really? Between 78 and 79, maybe. I don't know. I, I, I know it's it's late 70s. Okay. So. In, into the 80s. It's, um, if you look at this movie called Wild Style, it, it, it documents that. And there's another one I think called Style Wars that. It documents that mm. I don't know when they those those came out, but I know that it's been around from the late seventies, right at the birth of like the when they used to throw the the, the parties at the park in mm. in uh, I think it's the Bronx and in, in, in uh, the other boroughs like Queens. There was cats getting down back then. It just wasn't documented. Interesting. 
And so what kind of music were they dancing to back then? I think it was breaks. Like from like when they explain it in some of the hip hop documentaries is that guys like uh Cool Herc and and Grandmaster Flash and the other DJs that were like the the kings of of the boroughs and the DJs they were taking like R and B records that had breaks that were like like you know to them that was the best part of the song all the ah. all the rest was shit but this part is right. dope so they would go and find these breaks and cut these breaks in the party and people would dance to these breaks and then you know b boy the b boy shit was birthed from that look at this. This dude is doing this in 1898. That's crazy. He's going to do a head spin. Oh, shit. But how do we know that that's the first time anybody did that? How it, do we know that, like, court jesters didn't do that? that? It, so it, it could have been. It could be anybody. Look at, but look it's the his, music they're doing. It too. Straight look at his body game. control. Straight. Oh, my God. This guy's body control is insane. What are them contortionists? But no, just the, the ability to go yeah. back and forth like that. That's, yeah. You have to be so strong that's to be able to do that. The, yeah, so that was 1898? That was 1898. It says 1877. There's a quote of a young man quite alone who was practicing over and over the most inexplicable leap in the air. He swung himself up and then round on his hand for a point when his upper leg described a great circle. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I guess that's so the that same was breaking thing, too. Well, it makes sense that people have tried to move that way, but moving that way to an, music in an organized setting, like yeah. these breakdancing uh, events, that's what's really cool about it. That's, that's the emerging thing, and that's what, what's interesting to me. Was, I like watching people get better at stuff. I, I like watching the early ones. Like, even that guy, as impressive as he was, yeah. if he saw B-Boy Pocket Kim, he'd be like, what the fuck are you doing? Oh, yeah. Like, how are you moving like that? Yeah. Even the guy from 1898 could do wild shit that I can't do. Yeah. He I would mean, be blown away. And it's probably going to be, it's pro I mean, where, where can they go? Like, how much better can they get at that? Yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those things where they just got to, try to innovate new moves the, the way tony hawk would innovate right when he when he brought out the 900 right right and and guys like that they're constantly pushing to create a different combination different move that no one's seen or or a freeze or, or a, a strength move like like that guy with the two fingers and he's like stuck like that and i mean you know to top that some guy could probably hold it for half a second but holding it as long as he did you know, you got to come up with something to top that. Cause, like, how do you top that? How do you top that? Yeah. You got to be as strong, if not stronger, and come up with something completely different, which, you know, they managed to do. Yeah. You know? If you just, like, let them be creative, they'll come up with new stuff. Yeah. Just to, over time, one guy figures out a move, another guy figures out a better way to do that move, and then they're all yeah. innovating and feed off each other. Yeah. It's an amazing art form. I love watching it. I, I watch it on Instagram all the time. Yeah, man, it's 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 a combination of athletics and art. It's like gym, gym, yeah. gymnastics. It's it's almost the same thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're running around to a routine and and doing the flips and the tumbles and and all that stuff. And you know they work they work their floor routine to the music. Yeah. And same thing with the the figure skating and all that stuff. I mean, break dancing is just as incredible, if not more. Oh, yeah, just as incredible, easily. Figure skating's pretty nuts. Yeah, it is. I mean, I'm not but, interested in trying it, but it, it no. looks pretty <laughs> fucking insane. Like, spinning through the air and landing on your skates oh, yeah. and sliding around. I mean, that is 100% a sport. Hours of work yeah. to get to get any of that down. So, you know, but you got to think. Um, the, the guys that do the, the B-boy shit, 
it takes them hours to get all that down and mm -hmm. to get those moves down and get those combinations down and having the strength yeah. to actually pull it all off. Uh, you know, the, I, I'm just glad that they're finally getting theirs because it's a great art form that was, you know, derived from hip hop. And to see it now, it's like a world sport. It's pretty dope. That's dope. It is dope. Yeah, it's it's just uh, amazing that we watched it, we watched it emerge. You know, also with hip hop, right? Yeah. You know, I remember when I was a kid when Sugar Hill Gang first came out. I was in middle school, and I remember I was in the cafeteria, and I was hearing to the hip hop, yeah. hip to the hip to hip hop, and I was like, "What is this?" Yeah. Like, wow, this is crazy. Different. You know, it, it's it's dope that they fought, that they that the Grammys just recently celebrated the fifty years of hip hop because it's now the the birthday of hip hop this i guess this year yeah. this month that that uh it's been 50 years and yeah they left a lot of groups out but i thought the rep representation was pretty cool like that they started with the actual pioneers of of this you mm. know and seeing run dmc and grandmaster flash and the furious 5 and rock him and all those mm. guys um do their thing and be celebrated that was that was kind of cool yeah, man. People forget about like EPMD. Oh, some of the bangers man. they had. They had bangers. Come Public on, Enemy. Man. Public Enemy. They Public Enemy looked really good when it came out. Um, with uh, Chuck and Flav, on on uh, that celebration, that was dope. And Busta Rhyme. Yeah. He fucking killed it. I gotta say. Yeah, it was pretty dope. You know who I love? I bring him up every time I can. Cool G Rap. Cool G Rap. Dude, I loved that guy. He was one of my favorites. When I was like a kid in the 90s, when I just moved to New York, that's when I found out about Cool G Rap. I was oh, like, man. this dude. He had one of the dopest <laughs> rap styles. I mean, a lot of a lot of styles were birthed from his. Yes. And and he don't get enough flowers on that, no. as they say. He was amazing. But, yeah. Funny man. raps, too. Oh, yeah. Cock blocking. And, Cock blocking is a funny <laughs> fucking song, yeah. man. That's a funny song. And he also a, did something with um, the brand new heavies. Yeah. Did you ever hear that collaboration? Uh, yeah, I believe I did. I don't remember the, the name brand, of it. But. The Brand New Heavies did a collaboration with a lot of hip-hop artists, and uh, they did one of them with Cool G Rap. One of the songs was, cause, so it's like you got the Brand New Heavies music, but then Cool G, heavy rhyme experience. That's right. This is fucking badass, dude. Listen to this. So think that I'm a flake, but I'm no fake nigga, cause I think a bitch make him a witcher burn his ass at the stake with the 44 mag is so simple. Yeah. People forgot about Cool G they, Rap. They forget. How like, do you forget about this guy? Give me a little bit more of that. Amazing man. Hey man, uh, he, he was one. Of the, he was one of the baddest in that time when they came out. When he came out, him, Big Daddy Kane, LL, yes. and and Rakim, those guys were the sickest in, yeah. in their style flips, man. And yeah, uh, yeah, Kooji rap man, one of the baddest. It was a great time. That's a great time for rap. I mean, think about '90s for hip hop. Think about all the artists that came, Nas and Wu-Tang, and yeah. how many great artists came out of the 90s for hip-hop. Yeah, so My many, man. God. Brand Nubians. My God. They, they had some good shit. Um, man, there was so many. Tribe Called Quest, CL Smooth, and Pete Rock. When did Dead Prez start? 
I'm not sure of the year, but I, I believe it was in the 90s, though. I'm not, I'm, I'm so not sure. Artists, but there's so man. many. Ice-T started in the 80s, right? Because yeah. he was a part of the original wave. Yeah, I believe he was in 84, yeah. maybe? 80, yeah. I think 84. Ice-T, he was at the Grammys? Yeah, he got... Yeah, he did what really did well, do? too. He did Hustler. Nice. And he looks sharp. Look at the man. Look at him. Look at him. It's Still going. sharp. Bro, hilarious that the guy who wrote a song called Cop Killer has been playing a cop on TV yes. longer than any human being has the, ever done. The irony. <laughs> <laughs> the fucking irony. I love that. Remember when he was in Body Count? People yeah. forget that Ice-T is also a fan of heavy metal. Yeah. He's, what would you call that? What kind of metal would you call that? I think it's like punk and metal. You know, I think he yeah. he, he he listened to both. I think he was listening to metal and punk, and but I think... You know, with as it relates to body count, it's more. I don't know. It depends who you ask, because some people would say it's punk, and some people think it's more metal. So he has that, but then he also has like six in the morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Six in the morning was that like was a classic. Classic. That's still a banger right That's now. That's a banger. You hear six in the morning, like that just brings back memories. It was crazy. The 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 song that influenced that was was uh from a. A rapper named Schoolie D based out of Philly and he had a thing called PSK and so that six in the morning was a play of from PSK which was actually the first gangster song in, in hip-hop but the first West Coast really? gangster song was the six in the morning It's the same style beat. Yeah. And then he says a phrase that's kind of. Yeah, Schoolie D was the shit. But this is where it was birthed. And then, you know, from what six. What year is this? 85. 85. Wow. I was a senior in high school, <laughs> I was 15. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I'm Listen. old now. What the hell does that mean? Oh, yeah. All right, now give me six in the morning. We find uh, iced tea six in the morning, please. And then after six, six in the morning, police at my door. Fresh Adidas week across the bathroom floor. Out my back window, make my escape. Didn't even get a chance to grab my old school take. Mad with no music, happy cause free. And the streets to a player is the place to be. Got a knot in my pocket when Gangster right there, Ice T, <laughs> and then birth from Look that at him too. Then, then, then birth from that, you get cruising down the street in my six four. Yeah, which was a play yeah. off this. Oh wow, that's similar. Yeah, yeah, that does have a similar beat. Wow. <laughs> Hey, yo, man, you remember that shit Easy did a while back? Motherfucker said wasn't gonna work. Any man a bust. Just thought that I had to be in Compton soon. I gotta get drunk before the day begins. Before my mother starts it's, bitching. It rides that line. Friends. Yeah. About to go and damn near went blind. Young niggas at the path throwing up the, gang signs. The difference is on the West Coast shit, we used more 808 like that bass driven shit because it was mm. more that that was more la like in in la at that time you'd see cats riding around with sound systems bumping and so when guys like dr dre were making you know when they were producing they were adding that bass in there that you know that 808 so that people can feel that shit in their system 
How many times does a dude come up to you and went insane in the membrane? Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> It, it, it's almost every, almost almost where everywhere we go if i catch eye contact <laughs> and sometimes if i don't catch eye contact they'll wait for me to walk by and they'll and then they'll 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 sing it or they'll or they'll call me cypress yo cypress <laughs> that's been my name in new york for a long time yo cypress because sometimes they don't know the all of our names, they but they they know what group we're in, so right. you know they won't say, "Hey, be real" or "Doctor Great." Hey, yo, Cypress, that's Let's awesome. crack it. <laughs> that's kind of awesome, though. Yeah, I got a lot of names. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I remember when you guys first came out. I was like, "This is a totally new kind of sound." Like you guys had a totally new kind of sound. I remember I found out about it, like, I wasn't even into weed back then. I was like, why is this weed symbol everywhere? What are these guys doing? <laughs> these rappers with weed. What the hell's happening over there? But uh, I remember listening. I'm like, this is a, you guys had a completely different kind of sound. Yeah, you know, the thing was is that Muggs was from New York. He was from Flushing. So a lot of his influence was from New York. You know, his favorite production was like the Bomb Squad, which were, were producing Public Enemy and all their shit. They yeah. had, like, some of the most complex production at the time with bridges and breaks and these crazy sounds and stuff like that so you know that's what mugs got down with now when he moved out here and we, we we start hanging out he's introducing us to new york music you know hip-hop music that we we heard we heard some of it via the radio on kday am station it was playing a lot of uh hip-hop in the mix and some of it uh, mixed with R&B and soul throughout the day. So this is where we got our first introduction to hip-hop, but Muggs being from New York, whenever he'd go back, he'd come back with new records and he'd introduce us to stuff like that. And so when it came time to 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 working on an album, he had all that influence and, you know, being from New York and absorbing all that culture, it sounded sort of like New York-style production mixed with a little bit of LA influence, especially with, you know, what Sen and I were kicking in terms of vocals, because we were using a combination of LA and New York slang, you know, merged as one. So that's why a lot of people were confused, like, where are these guys from? You ask people in New York, they thought we were from East New York, and they were from Cypress Hills, New York. And people that that were from LA, they were like, well, wait a minute, they kind of sound West Coast-ish, I think they're from out here, but they didn't really know until we came out and said, you know, yeah, we're from LA, our boy's from New York, and we're sort of a bridge, you know, mm. between LA and New York with the sound. So, yeah, it was always a, a, a New York-influenced sound because, I mean, that's where he was from. But I think that that's what added to us being different because most things that were coming out of Los Angeles in that time or Southern California sounded like gangster rap, sounded like, uh, you know, uh, a version of N.W.A. or Compton's Most Wanted or something like that. And we didn't we wanted to be different. We didn't want to be in that lane. You know, we felt that was their lane. We need to make our own. So we didn't want to sound like anything else that was in Cali. We didn't get signed by it. A California label like whether it was Sony or any of it we got turned down here because we didn't sound like we were from from California Isn't we didn't that sound, funny yeah and how short-sighted yeah, people are and it turned out that like our 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 uh well we call him Uncle Joe Joe the butcher who was based out of Philly he had a you know his label with Rough House with uh Chris Swartz 
he he had worked with Muggs on a on an album that when Muggs was in a group called Seven Eight Three. He knew Muggs's potential. He liked Muggs. He saw that, you know, he was evolving as a producer. He heard about our thing and he wanted to take a chance on us. Where we were getting turned down from every goddamn label in in L.A. Not they funny. just they just didn't understand us. They, you guys are talking about weed. <laughs> how how does this make sense? What you got any other songs? We're like, no, we're cool, and yeah, we, I want to get high. <laughs> yeah, we're sitting so there, high. they're eating lunch, <laughs> listening to a song about getting high. They're like, what the fuck is this? Um, or no, we didn't even have that song yet. It was we were talking about. Uh, it was uh, the get high song on there was. Um, Light another and something else, but light another was a mm. main one. And we're talking about it. That's one of the demos that played, and you know that you could see the execs just scratching their head, like, "What do we do with this?" Mm. I mean, it, like, isn't it funny that everybody wants everything to be cookie cutter? Yeah, like the idea that rap didn't even exist a few decades prior, right? It wasn't even a common thing, and now all of a sudden it's huge, and they can't see that maybe there's another branch yeah. of this that could. I mean, it's funny that they wouldn't be, they wouldn't recognize how good it is. That's what's weird. What it is, is, is they don't want to take a chance on trying to develop it because if it fails, it's on their back. Yeah. You know what I mean? So they want something that's easy that oh, like, oh, it's, this sounds like this. We can market it in this lane. This is already a successful template. Let's use this. Oh, they're not using that shit. We can't do nothing with it. So, you know, like it's the development. And fortunately, you know, when we got assigned to Roughhouse Columbia, we had the power of 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 Columbia backing us up because they sort of believed in what what we were doing. Well, they not sort of believed they believed in what we were doing, and got behind it and allowed us to be as creative as we wanted to be, and 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 pushed us. And and uh, you know, along with having Joe and Chris on our side, creatively like pushing our line and saying, "Hey, what these guys are doing, great. We're, we don't want to intervene." and you know, change anything they're doing. Just let them fucking go. I mean, that was everything because, you know, most of the time they want an easy layup. So mm. if let's just say, you know, there's a group over here that's doing well. Hey, how come? Why don't we make a record like this right. over here? Right. It's like, well, why don't you go sign that shit over there? <laughs> this is not who we are. So, you know, they want you to make it easy. But realistically, it's no, nothing good is ever easy. You got to work toward it and develop it. Unfortunately, you know, we got on the team that that believed in that. And man, it was the biggest fuck you to all <laughs> those that turned us down and didn't get what we were doing. Uh, they got it now. Y'all got it now, right? <laughs> you got it now. <laughs> I can't understand how they didn't get it in the beginning. But yeah. but I do cuz it it's like that in comedy too. Like especially yeah. during the 90s, they were trying to fit everybody into the sitcom dad role yeah. or the sitcom boyfriend role. You you wanted to be on friends or you wanted to be on something like that, you know. That's yeah. all you wanted to do. So that's when, when everybody was trying to form their comedy for that. One series hits and then like mm -hmm. the other networks see it and try to develop something mm -hmm. similar to it. Yep. That's yep. why there was so many like the ERs and the St. Elsewhere's yes. and the yes. all the hospital driven yes. TV shows. Dude, people love a good hospital drama. Yeah. <laughs> was the George Clooney one? Get the, the, the ER. That was ER. Yeah. Right? yeah. They cannot lose. Can't lose. Can't lose. The drama. She's going to make it. She's going to make it. Mm. Oh, and then you feel good. You go to sleep. It's <laughs> it's something that has worked for Hollywood for so long that they dare not change it. I know, right? It's, what what works better? 
cop shows were pretty good. People yeah. love a good solve a crime show. There's so many of those. There's a lot of those. There's no lack of those. No lack of Law and Orders. Uh, yeah. It's fucking oh. Law and Order Petty Gambling Edition. You know, like they have so many yeah, editions of Law and Order. Special Victims Unit, and how many more do they have? I don't, man, I don't know. I think how many they, Law and Orders? They, they I have, think they oh, got I'm thinking of CSIs. They got CSIs in a bunch of different cities. Right? Yeah, I think there's like six or seven franchises of those <laughs> <laughs> in the Law and Order, the, close to the same. Bro, they can show hardcore shit on TV now. Yeah. I watched one of those CSI shows, and they were dealing with this uh, autopsy. And I was like, Jesus Christ, this is regular TV? It's wild, like, what people's access to things like HBO and Netflix, what it's done to regular TV. Oh, yeah. Like, they'll show, like, gore and yeah. violence now. Yeah. I, I couldn't believe it. I was like, I was looking at this, I was like, when I was a kid, if a guy got shot on TV, they didn't even have blood. It was more suggestive. Like, it was more suggest yeah. suggestive, yeah. It was like six... Six million dollar man violence. Yeah, you know, like people get shot, bang, bang, oh, and the guy would just fall over dead, and yeah. you just you didn't need to see the blood. Oh, now, but, now, um, bro, at CSI show they're showing holes in people and like, whoa. Oh yeah, whoa. they'll show someone's head dead. getting blown yeah, out real it's, quick. <laughs> it's crazy. They, I guess they have to keep up. You know. Yeah, man. I mean, yeah, they, you got to. If you're gonna watch hyper violent movies. The hyper-violent movies that you can get in the movies are on television. They're so crazy. Yeah. Like, you have to keep up with that. If you're going to keep up with John Wick. <laughs> yeah, how do you keep up with John Wick? <laughs> His body John count. Wick on a TV show. This fucking guy's body count is crazy. The movie makes the least amount of sense. He's the nice guy, serial killer assassin who yeah. can't be stopped. Yeah. And everybody roots for him. And he just it's, wants to live in peace. And he's so handsome. <laughs> he's so handsome. You just want him to win. You want him to find love. Yeah. <laughs> he can't, but they but took it away from him. They won't give it to him. <laughs> total number of John Wick kills in all three movies. John Wick has now killed a total of 299 people on screen. That's that, more than the combined total of Jason Voorhees in all the Friday the 13th movies. He is the real serial killer. Bro, he's killed... And that's all the people he killed after he retired from killing people for the Russian mob. Yeah. Where they said he killed three men in a bar with yeah. a pencil. Yeah, it's not even counting the Ron other Jason's guys. And Michael Myers. And Michael Myers. <laughs> oh, man. And all the Halloween movies. Fuck. Oh, my God. That's so ridiculous. I thought it would have been Arnold that, or, you know, <laughs> Stallone that got the highest body counts. But it's God, crazy yeah. that we're rooting for him. Yeah. You're rooting for him to kill everybody. Yeah. They all deserve it. They all, all deserve fucks. it. All these fucks should get it. <laughs> <laughs> they killed his puppy. They killed his puppy and they stole his car. Everyone's got to die. You can't touch someone's dog or car, man. That's, don't fucking steal someone's car and don't kill their dog. That's that, rude. Those are against the rules. It's rude. Yes. I mean, imagine fuck. Imagine being that Russian mobster. That's the wrong dude. <laughs> the wrong dude. That's why it's such a great movie. It's like the Hulk. Like, you you know, you made him mad. Now all of a sudden he's unstoppable. Every, yeah, everybody's like, oh, you fucked with... <sighs> yeah. That's Fuck. everybody want. That's what people love. They love this like one person that can't be stopped. Yeah, you know, in some way, whether it's because of the Hulk, like he's got some fucking genetic thing. They they zapped him with rays and changed his body. Yeah, and he gets angry. He turns into a giant green dude. Yeah, I mean it's the same same thing when they were running um, Stone Cold Steve Austin on on the you know on the WWE. His his character or his persona. Yeah, was that you could not stop? Stone can't Cold. stop him. And people love it. Loved it. Love it. Can't stop him. Yeah, you can't stop Stone Cold. You know, most <laughs> the most ridiculous thing about the Hulk is his pants. Yeah, he never loses his pants. 
This yeah, dude his pants is somehow stretched gigantic. the fuck out. <laughs> his, his pants somehow. He's so much bigger than Bruce Banner. <laughs> Bruce Banner is like a little yeah. unassuming scientist who's built like Ben Shapiro. And then all of a sudden he turns into that guy and the pants somehow still fit. How the fuck? How the fuck do you not see that giant green dick? This, the, that, this, those pants would pop off just the same way a shirt would. Right. This is ridiculous. Somebody needs to do a new version of the Hulk this. with the giant green dick like uh, the, <laughs> like... <laughs> Like Dr. Manhattan primal, has in The primal, Watchmen. Primal Hulk. <laughs> Look, if you go, it wasn't that long ago where The Watchmen, you were allowed to see Dr. Manhattan's dick. Yeah. It, it, in The Watchmen, we, you saw a full blue dick. Yeah, giant, it was graphic. Yeah. And he's built like the Hulk. Same thing. Is. You can see his dick, but you can't see the Hulk's dick. <laughs> yeah. Mar what is it's, it? Marvel, right? The idea that his shirt explodes, but his pants like stay fine and he can move around in them, no problem. Yeah, like, that... What? What the fuck are you selling? I don't think they knew the way around. Me? They didn't knew. They didn't know the way around that one. Like, it's, how do we? It is the dumbest fucking thing of all time. I mean, even if he's wearing yoga pants, those fucking shits are gonna the, fly that apart. It's gonna rip. It's gonna. It's gonna rip. That's crazy. Look yeah. how big he is. Yeah, he's 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 five hundred fucking pounds. Yeah, he's five times the size of the regular <laughs> motherfucker that he is before he blows up. It's so dumb. It's the dumbest thing. If we're so afraid of that giant green dick, he's wearing stretchy pants. People are willing to like <laughs> suspend disbelief. That's fine. That's fine. Pants are fine. 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 <laughs> Every <laughs> that is crazy. People will say ridiculous shit like, "Well, how could he turn into some such a big thing? There's not enough molecules in his body to expand to that extent. Where is he getting the actual physical tools to get bigger?" Yeah. 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 What about his pants? That's what more about ridiculous. his pants? Yeah. The pants are more ridiculous. Horace, <laughs> do, do his pants have the same thing he got? It does make sense that something couldn't just get big, though. Dude, How could he just get big? This like, is a debate that's gone on and on. Well, let me ex let me give you my point. For <clears throat> How could he get? Yet. How could he get big? There's no. He's not getting anything into his body. There's no food. There's no like. Yeah. Where do this? How do the cells grow? Is it you just drinking water and growing like a plant? Like what are you doing? Yeah. How are you getting bigger? How do you get bigger? Like you have. There's a mass. Where's the mass come from? Yeah, How does it go back to normal? <laughs> <laughs> It's so dumb, but the pants are the dumbest. Yeah. The pants are the dumbest thing, the whole thing. Meanwhile, it's my favorite superhero. Yeah, they they, they just can't get his movie right. Like yeah. his solo movie, like he's like they got it with with Ruffalo with when he's in the ensemble, but like they still haven't managed to get like the hit mm. with with with, with the a Hulk, Hulk movie by itself. Yeah. They had a couple different tries. They had the Ed Norton try. Yeah. They had before that, that other dude, the Eric, Australian. Eric Bonner. Eric Bonner. Yeah. They did it. And then as time went on, they got better with the CGI. Yeah. And they got better at making it look real. Yeah. Better at, you know, but it's still. The problem with the Avengers is, I would just call the Hulk. If I was that dude, Hawkeye, with the bow and arrow, I'd be like, what am I doing out here? <laughs> yeah. I just have a bow and arrow? That's all? I'm just kind of mildly acrobatic and have a bow and arrow? He got call the Hulk. He got special bow and arrows. Bro, the, you call the Hulk. You call the Hulk. You call the Hulk. He fucking stops the world. He punches the world and stops it from spinning. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> you call the guy with the arrows or the guy... Yeah, the, call the guy that punches the spaceship in the face and smashes it to the ground. That guy should just be dominating. The indestructible yeah. one. Just go behind him. Just follow behind him. And yeah. Pick out whatever's wounded. <laughs> <laughs> one of my one of my boys got mad when when they made him into like the smart Hulk. Hulk. I got mad. Yeah, I, a lot of people got mad. They don't want to see the smart Hulk. Yeah, 
yeah, next thing you know, he's going to be wearing a dress. Like what what they're doing is they're experimenting with these time-held characters that we love so dearly. You can't just do that. Yeah. Reflipping them like that is just too much. It's rude. Make a new character. Yeah. Don't make a smart yeah. Hulk, you fuckers. Yeah. He's yeah. not smart. That's yeah. the whole point. Yeah, he's enraged. Yeah. It's the, like the idea that he would be like smart and giant at the same time with the green skin and big ass glasses shut up yeah like he's got the best of both worlds no no he never you did you can't have that that's the thing the thing was a regular dude yeah but he had a, the mutation from space that turned him into the thing the big rocky but he was a powerhouse yeah but he was a regular dude underneath it yeah the Hulk is the Hulk's like says Hulk smash like he goes from being <laughs> the smartest guy in the world to a dude with two word sentences <laughs> yeah you know but it's fucking like the scene in the Hulk when he grabs Loki and he smashes him left and right like Loki yeah. says he's a god and the Hulk grabs <laughs> yeah. him and pile drives him into the concrete back and forth and That's back and the forth Hulk. and goes puny man. <laughs> I mean puny god is that what he says? Yeah. Get this out of my yeah. face. Yeah, see Stop that? it, Jamie. <laughs> yeah. This is not funny. Find find he's the got scene. A it's ridiculous. Look at him. He got a, so handsome. He got a robe. It's like a guy who's at the coffee shop. Why does he have glasses on? He's a fucking superpower. You know, yeah. his eyes are superpowered too. Yeah. Why would the Hulk have glasses on? Just to let us know that he's smart. Yeah. Just to yeah. Now he's smart. Like we associate. That's like such such an easy way out. Hulk smart. Yeah. You associate the. It wouldn't be better if he actually was looked exactly like the original Hulk. And he could talk like a super smart guy, but he could turn it on and off. So he could trick you. Yeah. So for everybody else, like, Hulk smash. And then he gets you alone. He's like, hey, dude, actually, I'm uh, Bruce Banner now. It's crazy. <laughs> hey, hey, figured dude. out a way to be both at the same time. But, you know, if, uh, I don't want to talk to anybody, so I'm going to Hulk smash. That would have been a good strategy. Find that Loki one where he smashes Loki. It's like my favorite scene in any movie. Yeah. It's like the what, what he could do is like so, so ridiculous. Yeah. You could fly by jumping. So obviously you didn't watch that She-Hulk bullshit out there. Was it bad? I heard it was horrible. I, didn't I would see not. It. I, I, didn't I refuse. See it. <laughs> I can't do it. What's wrong with it? Yeah, Here, I heard here it, it is. Was... This is it. <laughs> They'll play it so you can hear what he says. Creature, and I will not be bullied by that. <laughs> God. Come on, son. <laughs> How do you not love that? Yeah, that's that's the one you want to see. That's the one you want to see. <laughs> yeah. But the pants! <laughs> yeah. Those pants make no sense. <laughs> In you what got, world? You got special Avenger pants. In what world can your 500-pound friend borrow your pants? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That, I don't know. that scene would be even more terrifying with a giant green dick flopping around while he's beating that dude to death. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, it would. It'd it would fucking, be terrifying. It'd be disturbing. Terrifying. <laughs> terrifying. Oh, oh man. my God, that's hilarious. The fucking Hulk. Hopefully, you know they they make one that sticks. That you know, his own. It's funny because we don't want new superheroes. You notice that? Like you don't really get too many new superheroes. Like we kind of have enough superheroes. We're kind of done. Yeah, not, like not Hard in the not in the one. DC and in, in, in Marvel universe because right. I mean you know it's been for so long and they developed so many characters to come up with new ones and try to put those over those that's tough. But interesting though that they don't do that, right? Yeah, it's almost like a band that only plays their hits. Yeah, and doesn't play any new songs. Yeah, you know because some bands they'll tour you know twenty years after their last album and they'll just still have all those hits to choose from and they don't ever write new songs and the audiences love it. Yeah. 
It, it's crazy because some audience don't want to hear the new shit. They're mm. like, what happened to this? How come you're yeah. playing all this new shit? It's a, it's a fine line to try to, to ride that. You know, and please, these motherfuckers. Yeah, I had a friend who just went to see an artist, and he said he was really disappointed because he didn't play any of his hits. He was just only playing new stuff. Yeah. And he goes, the new stuff was great, but there's so many classics that they wanted to see him play, and he didn't play any of them. Got to play the hits? You got you got to play them as, as much as you might not want to. Yeah. I mean, for us, we... I mean, we don't mind. I mean, it's what made us who we were and who we are now. You know what I mean? So for us. Boy, you guys have some bangers, dude. We, we, you got to play them. How I'm, I Could Just Kill a Man. We'll, we'll find a way to mix new songs in there. We just won't play so many of them, you know, right. until they start requesting them. Hey, well, why don't you play this in the set? Um, you got to let it like organically find its place. Yeah, you got to let it find its place and let people say to you like, hey man, how come you don't add this? You guys always play this over here, but you never. And then we might take that into consideration and be like, you know what, yeah, we should play that. But mm. yeah, I, I've learned from watching others, like when you don't play the the, the popular songs in your, your you know, <laughs> the pantheon of your library, your musical library as an artist, man, they're gonna shit on you. Heavy. <laughs> heavy like yo man how come you didn't play insane in the brain or yeah. whatever like you could not not play yeah you have to play that because they, they feel punished yeah like i paid all this money to come see you you didn't play that song it's like if you went to see leonard skinner and they didn't play Freebird. oh my god you'd be like what the fuck You're losing your shit what the fuck was that show I, I went to a steve miller um gig one time because i'm a was a Steve Miller fan. I love Steve I st Miller. I, I still am. He's the most famous rock star that no one can recognize. But I would not go see him. For a minute, he looked like Russell Crowe and when Russell Crowe played that um, whistleblower. <laughs> oh, <laughs> right. Look at that movie. He's sort and of the Insider? Yeah. <clears throat> wow. There goes Russell Crowe on dude, guitar. Dude, dude. <laughs> dude, that's exactly him. That's crazy. Look at that. I would swear that's Russell Crowe uh, so, playing Steve Miller in a movie. So I was at this Russell Crowe concert listening to Steve Miller. No. <laughs> but so, so I was at the Steve Miller sh uh, concert at uh, the Greek, I believe it was. That's crazy. Look. Crazy. Tell me that doesn't look like fucking exactly. Russell Crowe. Um, so he's playing... And an hour goes by, I haven't heard one fucking hit. <gasps> and it's a, like he had played a bunch of new shit and covers. And then, you know, the hour and a half goes by, and finally he plays Fly Like an Eagle, right? And I was like, okay, yeah, now we're starting to get somewhere, right? <laughs> and he's playing it. And he has this keyboard player that looks like Billy Blanks. You remember Billy yes! Blanks, Tybo Billy yes. Blanks? Right? The type that he's he's playing the keyboard, uh, and then all of a sudden he breaks off the keyboard, and he's he's rapping "Fly Like an Eagle." I want to fly like an eagle. I'm like, oh, oh no! no. It, oh, what have you like, done? What have you done to Superman? I was like, nah, man. What have you done to the Hulk? I, you I put was, glasses on the Hulk. I, I, it was glass. <laughs> is the glasses on the Hulk moment for me? Right? If he if they, if he had brought out EPMD to rap over that. Cause they use that EPM. I mean, they use that Steve Miller sample, do do and they did. Um, they did. EPMD did something to that. It would have made sense if they brought EPMD out. That would have been acceptable, but not your Tybo. Um, <laughs> not, not your Tybo keyboard player. That was not did, it. Did it, he play "Take the Money and Run"? Um, 
he must have played that this in is the a story about Billy no, Joe I know. and Bobby Sue. I know all his songs. He probably didn't play it till the second hour after I left because oh. after he played Fly Like an Eagle, he played another fucking cover and I was like, "Oh hell no. I'm oh, sorry, no. Steve, Steve Miller. I'm out of here." You know, because he waited till the second half to play any of the good shit. Oh, okay. And he just, he held it too long. Do you think long. they maybe contractually obligated him to play two hours? So that's how he likes to do it? You know, most headline gigs are, are like an hour and a half. You could choose to play the two hours, but if you're playing the two hours, usually you don't have an opener. Mm. So you're starting early and then you may have an intermission. I've never played that type of gig in spite of our catalog, you know, because it's long. Mm. But realistically, man, I mean, you know, you got people waiting on, on, on your hits on a two-hour show. Sprinkle them through the show. Don't like, mm. like wait till this, yeah. the last half hour to hit them with, with all your fly shit. I mean, <laughs> a lot of us, we're leaving. We're like, fuck, we, t we waited an hour and a half to hear this one song. Then he went back into a cover. Like, mm. nah, that ain't it. And, and, and we fucking took off, man. I never, I, I'll enjoy Steve Miller on the radio and whatever I have in my in my library of his, I'll listen to it there. I cannot invest a two hour, you know, like a two hour fucking ordeal of, of the first hour covers and in, 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 mm. in new songs that yeah, I was, I was I just you. not feeling it. I was like, nah, I can't I do you. that. And so learning You, you that, went there for a certain vibe. Yeah, I went there right. for a certain vibe. His so music vibe. And learning yeah. that, like as 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 an artist seeing how he did that and how did you know like how a lot of us were like yo this is fucking ridiculous mm. i never wanted any of our fans to feel something like that leaving a cypress hill show so like we you know we we definitely we'll play some new shit but we'll strategically place it to where it's not bothersome to the fans like oh man i want to hit i wanted to hear the hits i don't want to hear this right right shit over here so like we're hitting them with hits from the start sprinkle some new shit <clears> some <throat> more of the old shit and and here and there just so that like artistically yeah you want them to knew the new you want them to have the new material but like they're there to really realistically hear the the shit that they they fell in love with you for you yeah. know what i mean and you cannot take that away from them I, yeah, I hear you. That's beautiful. That's beautiful that you think that way. And that sometimes it's good to go see someone live because you get a sense of what you like and what you don't like. You can get yeah. inspired or you can get inspired to like not do that. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of superheroes, right, and not and the lack of development of, of new, new ones, ones right? Um, have you watched The Boys? No. Oh, no, I never man. That. I heard it's really good, though. Oh, it's fucking good, man. Uh, both seasons. I think they're going on three or four now. Um, that is real fucked up. There's too many shows. It's it's so fucked up because it's like superheroes that are flawed. Like mm. you see DC superheroes and Marvel superheroes, and they, they're they're kind of edgy in moments, but right. it's 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 unrealistic. Like they they show you that, that there's uh, not a flaw in not one of them, but in this one, oh my god. It is, like the Watchmen. Oh man, it is like yes, it yeah. is aggressive like the Watchmen. It is fucked up in the best way. Really? <laughs> it, yeah, it'll really? surprise that you. It's, it's pretty good. Okay, I'll get on it. Like f when someone told me about it, I'm like, ah, pff, another fucking show. Okay, but then I watched like the first episode from the first episode. It's like ramped the fuck up. Like the first episode, 
If it doesn't pull you in, nothing's going to pull you in. Have you seen 000 on Amazon? I've heard about it. I got to get on that. Bro. Yeah. That one's under the radar. Yeah. Tommy Segura told me about that one. He goes, hmm. that that is a wild, crazy show. It was too heavy for my wife. It was like too many people getting blasted. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, so, some of this shit it's is- It's rough weird. before you go to bed. <laughs> trying to watch some shit before you go to bed. Oh, man. Watch it's... people getting blasted in Nicaragua. You're like, yo. Yeah. There's a lot of violent shit on TV these days, man. Yeah, we she got bummed out after a while with um, uh, the fucking Escobar show. Oh. Uh, Narcos. 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 Yeah. yeah, after a while, I was like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. So many people are getting whacked here. Whacked. Like, if you want to tell a story about the cocaine business. You got to tell it. You got to tell the whole story. Yeah. You got to include all the whackings, because there was a lot of them. There was a lot of them. I wonder if they're ever going to do the Griselda Blanco version oh, yeah. of, of Narcos. They should, cause they. I mean, like that. That was a big story. I mean, you oh can't leave that out. That Billy Corbin documentary, Cocaine Cowboys. Cocaine Cowboys. Yeah. One of the all-time great documentaries. Yeah. Did you see the second part? Yes. That shit yes. was crazy too. That yes. Was... Griselda Blanca was a bad lady. Yeah, she she was. She um... ran shit with an iron fist. That was the one that Jennifer Lopez played. Sorry. Yeah, I you hate know what? You, you know who else did it? One? TV show, Sophia Vergara. Oh, oh, it's a new one. Oh, I'm, even hotter. They said Jennifer Lopez. You know who that worked. You know who Let's played her even too. Hotter. You know who played her too. Um, I can't remember for what network they did it, but it was. Uh, um, why does her name escape me right now? Um, she she did. Uh, Catherine. Yeah, Catherine Zeta. There Catherine Zeta Jones. That's right. Here's the problem. No disrespect intended to any of these beautiful ladies. But if you were going to have W.C. Fields played by Brad Pitt in his prime, that doesn't work. you'd be like, what is going on here? That doesn't work. Why, yeah. What is going on here? Why are you pretending that W.C. Fields was this beautiful, handsome man? Yeah. W.C. Fields was a... Look at the difference between Jennifer Lopez, who's flawless, yeah. look, and Giselle DeBlanco, who looks like Mark Hunt. Look, they... they, uh, they um, right? Like, with, with uh, Catherine Zeta-Jones, she tried to, like, you know put a different look in but for some reason the acting in in that particular one wasn't there man well i think legitimately they should put prosthetics on her if they yeah. wanted to be that way yeah you know like they did with tom cruise yeah and uh what was the movie um tropic thunder tropic thunder that yeah. was amazing amazing when he had the oh, fat man, hands and that he was dancing it was incredible I mean, they can do that with tom cruise they can do that with her yeah they can turn her to make her look like giselle Blanco. yeah blanca that was what she looked like yeah you know, like, and that was part of the story. Part of the story was this lady was just like dominating shit. And yeah. look at Tom Cruise. Oh man, his fat hands. <laughs> but this—that was part of the story. Was that this lady couldn't be crossed, but that she was seduced by this guy who was. Remember, she she had this boyfriend. Yeah. And the boyfriend was banging other chicks, and she found out, and things got ugly. Yeah, yeah. And she went to jail, and she was writing him in jail, and. You know, that was a big yeah, yeah, that, that was a big part of the story, man. Yeah, the dude from Oakland. Yeah. The kid from Oakland. So a big part of her story was that she wasn't attractive. And that was a big part of what she looked like was a big part of the whole thing. And she yeah. was a scary lady. Yeah. She wasn't this bombshell hot ten Sofia Vergara. Yeah, that's, that's the hot that's, that's the Hollywood casting they, but right there. You can't there. do that. You can't. No, no. It's not that's her. That's if, her with her boyfriend. If you're gonna tell it, you gotta tell it right. Yeah, you gotta tell it right. You're supposed to tell the real story. Yeah. You know, you can get some, if you don't want to hire someone who looks like her, hire someone and put them in a suit that makes them look like her. Yeah. You should. Yeah. That's the, I mean, otherwise you're just lying. Like yeah. why, like if people could just Google and see the real lady, like why are you doing that? Yeah. Like they're, why they're are we pretending she looked? Trying to polish it up. It's kind know? of, because they don't even, like when, 
Robert De Niro. She's hot when she's younger, though. Woof. Yeah. Is that her when she was younger? I, think so. I believe what? so. Yeah. yeah that oh was her when she was younger. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. She was hot as drug, fuck. Drug game takes a toll. That's crazy. I mean, it doesn't even look like the same human being. It doesn't look like she could turn into looking like that. You know what I'm saying? Like the, the bone structure. Dude, she was gorgeous. Those, they That's look crazy. A there, but... Yeah, but it just might be shitty yeah. photography. Yeah. Dude, she was gorgeous. That's nuts. Yeah, maybe that's that's okay. their, that maybe well, that's, they're having okay. them like portray her as as she as was young, when she was young. Then but start adding the fat suit. Yeah, yeah. You got it. You got to add that later. Yeah, put that later, which makes it even more compelling. Which, which right? was the problem with the Catherine Zeta Jones ones? They didn't right. do that. Right. They made her look weathered, but they didn't like. Yeah, but Catherine Zeta Jones weathered is still hot as fuck, right, dude? It's right. Still Catherine Zeta Jones. Yeah. Wow. Cocaine Godmother on Prime Video. Yeah. But the real lady herself was like, wow, what a crazy yeah, she was story. No, she was no joke. And, and when you, like, in the interview, the hitmen, and the hitmen were telling him what Griselda was telling him to do, it's like, yikes. <laughs> yeah, man. You didn't want to be on the bad side. Ooh, yikes. Didn't want to be on the bad side or owe, or owe money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't do that. And again, all that comes from illegality. All yeah. that comes from it being illegal and only criminals selling it. Yeah. And that's what, I mean, that fucking made Miami, bro. Yeah. <laughs> when you think about it, like so many, money. yeah, so many new businesses popped up in that time because, you know, people had money to spend. How many banks? Yeah. I mean, how much Real estate money companies were they moving around? How many banks got in on that Coke money? And how many banks were like, nope, we don't want your dirty money. We want only established cash from established businesses. Like, how many banks didn't know that they were they're handling cocaine money in Miami in the eighties? Probably the majority of them didn't know it. Yeah, you think so? At first, they probably didn't oh, at know, first. and at then first. and then they realized so. it. They did nothing to change it. I think it's probably the obligation for the corporation to continue this business while profitable and shaky. Yeah, and possibly illegal. Yeah. Is it illegal for them though? If they don't, do they have to investigate where the money comes from to put it in the bank? I think they just have to report that it entered the bank. I mm. don't know if they have to see where it came from. I think that's the IRS's job to do that. Bro, but dudes were burying trash bags yeah. filled with hundred dollar bills. Yeah, <laughs> just put it in their yard somewhere. And that was the dumbest shit because they weren't even stashing the money properly. A lot of that money went rotten. <laughs> all that, all of it. That I mean, if you're high on coke and you're digging holes in your backyard, you're not going to remember where those you're holes are. <laughs> you better be planting little flags, little pinpoints. <laughs> they had no GPS back then. No. You couldn't drop a pin. Oh man. Yeah. Good and luck it, finding that. You, you like one of these guys that are the bosses? They're all coked up and enraged. They don't remember where they put yeah. it. They told you the wrong spot. How many people are going to go oh. on treasure hunts in people's backyards if they find out that they were a coke dealer in Miami? Yeah. Like, it's almost <laughs> worth it. Right. If you buy a dude, he's a, a coke a, a coke guy, goes to jail in the 1980s, and he builds his fucking mansion, the mansion's still there, you, you would buy it and go, okay, has anybody ever done any renovations in the backyard? Has anybody ever, ever done any irrigation? Shit up here? You ever done any irrigation back here? <laughs> no, okay, thank you. Yeah, we'll take this. Yeah, we'll take this. It might be a fucking billion dollars in hundred dollar bills. Exactly. And you better be there when they fucking yeah, peel that shit up because those be construction companies are gonna be like, ah, oh, <laughs> yeah, we didn't get, find anything. You sir. gotta be there every day. You gotta be there every day, like a hawk. Yeah, especially when you know where you got it from. Yeah, just probably like pirate treasure still places that people haven't found absolutely like what is that one island there's some island where these pirates went there and they built this elaborate trap 
Like it, there's supposed to be some uh, sort of, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. People try to dig this up many, many times. Yeah. It almost sounds, I've looked I think there was this. like even a documentary about it or a television there's a show, show about both. it. There's yeah. both. I've listened to a book about it. It honestly sounds like it might be nothing because so many people have tried to do this for so long. And but it, there is a structure, ending. right? There's some kind There's of a thing that was built, there, but it keeps getting filled in with water or something. Yeah, trying to get down to it. That's right? <laughs> so they figured out a way to put this stuff down in a way that you could you could get to it, but it would be very very difficult. But I think then climate change happened. Yeah, <laughs> and you know and the, the shoreline harder. probably changed a little bit. The Curse of Oak Island. Oak the Island. Curse of Oak it? Island. Yeah, yeah. they got a TV show on this. Yeah, that's what it's. Yeah. yeah. So this is, they're trying to dig it? Yeah. This is season seven of it, so they obviously haven't found it yet. And they still can't find it. So they have these giant excavator crews. How do you get seven seasons out of finding nothing? (laughs) You know, know, if if Geraldo had that secret, he would have ran that Al Capone shit all the way. (laughs) It's like, we're still looking for his shit. Like finding Bigfoot. Those motherfuckers are still looking. (laughs) They're still looking. How many seasons? <laughs> I haven't seen this. This is ex- describing exactly what you guys the were just saying. The legend of Cocaine Island. Oh, is it really? This guy went on a path to find, like, buried $2 million worth of buried cocaine or something. Oh, like wow. Well, yeah, because when you know man. your neighbor is the fucking a cocaine kingpin and he's gone to jail and he ain't getting out. Yeah, but what do you do if you find it? It's still illegal. If you find $2 million worth of cocaine and you're just a regular guy, you, now you're a cocaine distributor? People find it in the water, I've heard of. Yeah, I have heard of ocean, that. You know? But you usually turn it in, and the government gives usually. you ungats. They, they give you they, shit. They fucking yeah. dose it out to their friends. They're yeah. having a party. All the cops are doing lines off your coke. Yeah. You don't get nothing. <laughs> you don't get, get nothing. Shit. How, much, how much coke gets stolen from evidence rooms? If you had a guess. It's not zero. Right, it's not zero yeah. coke has ever been stolen from evidence rooms. Coke has definitely been stolen from For evidence sure. rooms. For sure, I'm not accusing any cops of stealing coke, but it, I'm, I'm it saying it has to happen. It had to have happened in human history. It has to. Like, there's no way that it didn't. Yeah, because there's there's cops out there that definitely got drug problems. Well, they say DEA agents. You know, if you're um, one of them other undercover, undercover dudes, and you got to yeah. show you're legit, so you got to go and do. Those drugs are the guys with these most guys. at risk. Yep. <sighs> Imagine you're a DEA agent and then all of a sudden you're a meth head. And you're like, oh, shit, I'm a meth head. Yeah. I, I had to prove I was real, so I had to do meth with these guys. And now they're stealing shit from the evidence room. Yeah, and you're sneaking around. That's what happened to this guy. He got charged, the, the cocaine island guy, he got charged with intent to uh, distribute 70 pounds of gold. Yeah. So he found it. I don't so, know if he found it. I'm trying to read through this. Well, if they said he's got oh, 70 pounds of buried white gold. Look at this, though. Hold on a second. It says he was charged with intent to distribute cocaine after embarking on a treasure hunt to uncover 70 pounds of buried white gold in Puerto Rico. But does that mean he found it or he was charged because he was trying to find it? Arrested after he attempted to recover and sell the cocaine that had been buried on the island. So, so did he recover it though? We have to watch the movie and find out. I guess. Oh, yeah, these sons of bitches! The cliffhanger. <laughs> they gave us a cliffhanger. These fucks. How about cocaine bear? No, oh, I haven't seen that, but that's hilarious. That's a true story. <laughs> I heard that's a true story. Yeah, yeah. bears eat anything, man. That, the fact that the bear ate the coke. I wonder what it smelled like to him. I wonder why he ate it. Did it have? Did the bear die from a heart attack? I think that was the rumor. I mean, it probably overdosed. Yeah, like... I mean, if you're eating Coke and you're a bear, bears eat a lot. Like, <laughs> <laughs> how much Coke is that? Like, what did that taste? I bet the bear's mouth got numb as fuck, yeah. bro. And, and I bet... Every, be- the whole the whole <laughs> snout. I bet they enjoy the experience. 
I bet it, I bet it feels good. I bet once you, you start getting high from that coke, you're like, oh, this is great. And then you're a bear, you're a glutton, so you're just diving in there, eating the whole bag. <laughs> How did the bear die? I'm looking right. Now. It happened in 1985. <laughs> 85. The story. See, the story was 85. You're like, man, did the, that really happen? The story was is crazy. A, a plane dumped dumped the cocaine yeah. out. Bro, 75 pounds. They found the dead bear. Wow. Yeah, he had two of them. He absorbed th only three to four grams. Well, that's a lot. The yeah. Tax, yeah. What do they think killed him? Oh, okay. His oh. stomach was literally packed to the brim with cocaine. So wow. Yeah, he ate more than three to four grams. That seems like more than three to four grams. Only absorbed that much. Oh, he oh. had only absorbed that. So the rest Into of it was in his stomach. Oh. So he literally ate until his stomach was packed like a big coke rock. Oh. Oh man! <laughs> because that shit is probably hard as fuck. Coke. He bear. probably packed it in there. In yeah. His guts. If his stomach was packed to the brim with cocaine, oh my god, that's amazing. Wow. That's amazing. What was it like for that bear, just <laughs> lying there while your heart is literally cracking your ribs? <laughs> ba bang! Ba bang! Ba bang! Ba bang! What that, the you, fuck that, have I done? That bear could not understand what the fuck was happening to him at all. You got a, a literal rock of paste in your stomach. <laughs> and your heart is going. Yeah, imagine the heartbeat. <laughs> fuck. What a fucked up last day for a bear. Yeah. Oh. And then there was a movie that was supposed to be funny. I heard it was funny. Did you see it, Jamie? No, I haven't seen it yet. I don't yeah, know. I guess. I, I, I'll watch it someday. I, I thought it's about watching idea. it. I'm going to wait. It's a great idea. But it is. <laughs> when I heard it, I was like, nah, this, that can't be a movie. So and this is my question that I forgot earlier. Was is um, Does PCP make you aggressive? Because ketamine doesn't make you aggressive, right? It calms you down. So why do we always associate PCP with people being wild? I think that you, they have to be like sort of, it's like provocation. I think they're mellow until... Until provoked? Yeah. I don't want to try it, but... Like, I, I wouldn't want to be approaching anybody on PCP. No. Like, and telling them, hey, you need no. to. Like, nah. And who knows what designer drug some fucking chemist is going to figure out in the future. <laughs> yeah. That takes that to a next level. I mean, imagine if there was no. That's probably why I bet. Is, what uh, does it maybe say? This. Uh, Dr. Edward D Domino, who participated in the early testing of PCP, documented that the drug produces an adrenaline release resulting in a fight-or-flight reaction <sighs> with an increased high, uh, heart, heartbeat, high blood pressure, and raised body temperature. Interesting. Hmm. He said that the effects of the drug, can, the drug can vary greatly. It can act as a depressant, stimulant, or hallucinogen, depending upon the dosage, type of administration, and circumstances of use. On the street, PCP is available as a powder, tablet, or liquid, or in leaf mixtures, it may be swallowed, injected, snorted, or smoked. Mm. Key factors that determine whether a PCP user becomes violent are the user's personality, the physical settings, and the external stimulants, like what you're saying. Yeah. Like, fucking with them. Yeah. Something fucks with them, and then they 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 go they, from zero to hundred. They instantly. get triggered, yeah. It's, it it takes something to trigger them because I think they're totally in their own world until someone comes and yeah. And imagine that you're like in a zone, and then the cops come fucking with you. I mean, immediately you're gonna be reactive. 
They, they cite the case of West Covina police officer Ken Bred, who was killed in 1983 by a PCP user who was unfazed by both mace and baton blows. In a power dis- powerful display of force, he uprooted a sapling and its eight-foot stake, which he hurled at the officer. Then he managed to grab a shotgun out of the officer's car and kill him. Holy shit, dude. Damn. He pulled a tree out of the ground and threw it at the that's, guy? That's brute that's fucking Hulk, Hulk strength. That, that's Hulk smash strength like, right Are we there. sure it doesn't make you stronger? Imagine if we had like MMA, but you could take PCP. You could take whatever drug you want. Hmm. I wonder if anybody's done weightlifting PRs on it. I wonder. It's a good question. Because dudes do weird shit before they do PRs. They drink. Sometimes guys do shots of uh, whiskey and yeah. they do deadlifts. Just something to give him a whoa, a fucking whoa. Give him that little boost. Yeah, I couldn't believe that when I heard that, that some people like to do that. I don't think like. That, that, I never heard that. That's, you never heard that? that yeah. A shot before they do, yeah. before they power lift, huh? Could be just crazy people. We should find that out too. I would imagine though, like you, you feel looser. Yeah. Like the, like some DJs before they go DJ clubs, they'll, they'll have a shot and it makes them loose and they feel like they rock the part. They mm. got like the vibe of the party locked in yeah a shot is a nice way to get the party started just like, whoa just yeah gets in there quick the little joke boom little, warms the belly yeah it sounds like people have definitely tried this i'm reading a story right now the one thing that says it's the most popular post off of a bodybuilding message board the thread on pcp and bodybuilding and powerlifting oh wow it says a six five three hundred twenty five powerlifter came in high on pcp Seven percent body fat. I'm going on to see that there are eleven people piled in the back of an ambulance to try to keep him restrained. Yeah. Jesus Christ, dude. Yeah, imagine. Had to, they had to knock him down with sedatives. Oh my god. <laughs> had to hit him with a dark oh gun. Oh my god. Power lifting on PCP and just fucking roid raging around the building. Oh man. Probably PCP and steroids too if he's oh, that yeah, big. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You gotta imagine. So he's on try that. Oh my god, he's on the double dose. He's on the double whammy. That's you know, like he 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 really thought that out. Like, okay, I know I'm stronger when I smoke this PCP. I'm gonna go really get my workout on right now. Or maybe that was his first time. And just sorry, guys, I didn't know. I took a chance. I fucked up. I was on PCP. Lost my mind. I mm. really apologize to everyone. <laughs> Let's hope. Do, do it deadlifts. Um, what about shots? Do pe- people do do that? Well, right? I'm looking up deeper discussions on it. It says there's no evidence that it increases strength, but because it dis- it's a disassociative, do you think that maybe you can't feel the pain? Yeah, probably. So you just go through it. And yeah, could be. Yeah, pr- there's a self-preservation part of lifting, right? Like if a lift feels too heavy, you put it down. Maybe if you're on PCP, just fuck it. Yeah. Let's go. I mean, what's, you know. Well, uh, you know, hey, look, there's, that, that, there's parts of the mind <laughs> that we can't tap into in a sober state. That give us different abilities, right? Including strength, you know, tapping into something different. We're blocked from it. Yeah, I think so. And I think some of these some of these things like PCP and others um, sort of maybe could unlock some of that. Well, people definitely move better when they're on adrenaline. Like yeah. Adrenaline makes people very explosive, right? It, it, it's supposed to be there to get you to run away from something, yeah. right? To get the fuck away or, or fight or flight, yeah. right? Either you're going to fight, you got all this burst of energy out of nowhere. It's a wild drug, though, because 
like you ideally would want to be in shape and have very little adrenaline because adrenaline jacks up your heart rate unnecessarily sometimes. Yeah. And so if you're really juiced up with adrenaline, your heart's at 170 beats per minute. If you start engaging in physical activity when you're already kind of gassing because your heart rate's already jacked, yeah. you're going to get tired quick. Yeah. That happens to a lot of fighters. First time in the UFC. Yeah. First time in the UFC is wild. They gas out in that first round because of that. Sometimes. Sometimes. Not so much anymore. Guys are much better at that now. It very rarely happens now. By the time dudes get to the UFC now, the quality and the level of yeah. fighter is very high. Yeah. And you're getting guys that are already very experienced, and they just, they know how to do it. They don't just, just go full blast. Not all of them. I mean, it's rare. Occasionally it happens. But when you go through those smaller shows like the LFAs and these other small promotions and you finally get that call the moment they close that cage you realize oh my god I'm on fucking pay-per-view yeah. there's Daniel Cormier there's John Anik holy shit yeah holy shit it's 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 you got to maintain composure mm -hmm. and and you're calm in there and sometimes when you're new to it and and you're, you're excited and the adrenaline rises man it's it's hard to stay composed I mean that happens with young rappers out there right they'll first show in front of like 10 20,000 people they yeah. let's say rehearsed for weeks a month and they got the song down and their breath control is there and they sound great but the minute they get on that stage and they see the enormity of it it changes the it in, change the inexperience yeah. um makes them forget everything they learned and all of a sudden they're breathing heavy they're trying to keep up with the song they're not they don't sound like the tone that's on the actual record and 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 it's all that nervous energy because mm. of the inexperience and you know i i would imagine with an mma fight going through that man that's got to be the toughest because like you you trained you put the work in mm -hmm. and yet you're gassing out but you see guys overcome that they have like a bad first experience and they come back and they're i get it now yeah. and then you'll see them like emerge and, and get much better that does happen a lot. Yeah, you see a lot of that now. Yeah. Where a guy's getting like, you know, you're thinking, oh man, he's about to get finished. And all of a sudden, just yeah. changes it all around. I love the fact that you took voice lessons. Yeah. Like you you were like, I'm going to treat this like, I'm going to figure out a way to do this the best way. Right. Like instead of just like doing my thing and waiting, I'm going to like seek out experts in vocalizations and help me out. Yeah. So it, smart. Yeah. I, you know, I think if, if you got to, different sort of voice right and you got to maintain it and not let it get damaged and, and, and things like that you got to find ways to strengthen it right and for yeah. me like I, I knew this some of the stuff that was was uh causing damage to my voice one was I was smoking blunts and I was drinking whiskey before the shows and, and things like that and then carbonated shit like sodas and stuff like that that whole combination had my shit raspy and then you know the excitement the adrenaline carrying that over not not necessarily controlling that to be able to sound right mm. and you know so it was a combination of all that and then someone referred me to the lady i think her name was elizabeth sabine she was a um she taught like a bunch of different singers but like her thing was opera mm. and to teach you how to breathe so that you don't have to over project from your you know your vocal cords and all that stuff from the throat and so getting rid of the 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 whiskey and the 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 blunts and the and the sodas that was one thing that definitely helped but like with the breath control and not over projecting and staying in key and in tone whatever she taught me that and that like preserved my shit like so that i could sound like 
what I sound like on the record, even to this day. Like, I, I didn't really like um, suffer too much damage like a lot of people do, where like they cannot sound like they do on the record because mm. they've they've pretty much blasted out their shit by partying and not taking care of of the muscle, not taking care of the tool, the any of it. You know what I mean? So I always respected the fact that I got this gift. So like I'm gonna do what I got to to protect it. And that was one thing, man. I, like, I was going hoarse every damn, every other show. Like, damn. And not sounding the way that I should on, on records. And and uh, when I would hear the playback to that, I'd be like, oh, my fucking God, what is this? And then finally, I, I'd reached out to somebody who knew a coach. And they were like, hey, put me on to, to your vocal coach. I want to try to you know, strengthen what I got going on here. Fortunately, man, I paid attention to her and I didn't blow it off. Like, what the fuck is this? Cause you can go in there like that and be like, how are these exercises going to help me and keep it? But you know, until you do them and get used to them and it becomes second nature, you don't realize it. And fortunately I was serious enough to take the advice and do all the practices and it, and it, it preserved my voice, man. I was lucky enough to, to get that when I, when I did. Yeah, it's beautiful that you figured that out. It's and, and it's a great message for other guys too. Like, treat this like it's a profession. Yeah, man, it's a beautiful profession. I mean, folks that could sing, like let's just say Patti LaBelle, right? right? I'm not the biggest Patti LaBelle fan, but she's made great music in her time. But in relation to her tool, which is her voice, I mean, she's taking care of it to where she sounds amazing right now to this day in her 70s. You know, like. Yeah. And not everybody her age that 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 possesses that that talent and has a voice still have a strong voice because they didn't take care of it yeah. like she did. You know what I mean? And and that that goes a long way, man. If you want to have longevity in this game and you want to sound good, man, you take care of the tools. On the flip side, I like the way Johnny Cash sounded in his last days. Like yeah, he, he sounded good. I love the hearing yeah. the life in his yeah. voice i love hearing the living yeah in his voice like that guy lived a hard fucking life he sure did and johnny cash lived a hard life and it was a dope record yeah oh for my sure. god that that album was dope it just hearing that voice at the end of his life and knowing that he doesn't have much time left and knowing that he knows he doesn't have much time left yeah and he's singing that can you play some of that play play johnny cash hurt yeah, and when it's he did a all that. cover, a Nine Inch Nails cover. There's yeah, so many layers to it. There's that. so many layers to it. And it's like when you see what he looked like back then, man. I mean, he was an older dude, man. Yeah. An older dude who was one of the, the highwaymen, you know? Yeah. I mean, Folsom Prison Blues, one of the original. I hurt myself today To see if I still feel I focus on the pain The only thing that's real Man in black, dude The needle tears a hole The old familiar sting Try to kill it all away But I remember everything what have I become my sweetest friend every 
Damn, that was cool. And he he did have a problem with heroin back in the day, right? Oh yeah, he had a problem with all kinds of all shit. All kinds man. of shit. I mean, they were partying hard. Those <laughs> old school outlaw country guys, oh, yeah. him and Waylon Jennings, and I mean, come on, man, those dudes were going hard. The Highwaymen, that song. Yeah. I was a highwayman. Across the Gulf Coast, I did ride. Yeah. Talk about dying and being reincarnated over and over again. That's an amazing song. Yeah, man. Yeah, he he lived the Oof. life, that's for sure. When he comes on that song, I rode a starship across the Great Divide. Mm. Dude. And when I reached the other side, God, man, that that whole era of, like, those guys, that was a that was a wild group of men. Yeah. Wild so, and songwriting was men. And songwriting was different back yeah. then, too, man. It was very much more poetic than it is today. Yeah, it that's was, for there sure. Was, there was, like, they would tell stories in their songs. Yeah. There's a lot of it. Look at him, man. The highway. Look at that. Damn. Look Chris at that. Chris Christopherson, Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings. God damn. Well, that was the, that was a crew right there. God damn, dude. God damn. Yeah, amazing. And again, I mean, that, then they were pretty late along in life too when they did that. Yeah. Those guys were bad motherfuckers to the end. Well, was Johnny Cash was Willie still around? Yeah. Chris Christopherson still around? I believe so. He's still I think around, so. right? Whalem's not. He's another one, man. Those those outlaw guys, man. That that era of country music. Again, you got to realize this is a, a fairly recent thing in human history. Yeah. You know the outlaw country star. That's a American thing that happened. Yeah, that's here in the 1900s. That's homegrown. Still around. Look Chris Christopherson and Garth Brooks. Where's the bodies, Garth? Probably says that everywhere. Right? <laughs> so where's the bodies? <laughs> you know, that's like a, do you know what that is? That's a uh, your mom's house thing. Yeah. You know they always pretend that Garth Brooks is a serial killer. Everywhere he goes, people turn up missing. <laughs> so all the fans like they they fucking they all go into his comments and like where are the bodies, Garth? Come clean, Garth. Like I'll still Garth be a friend. A teacup for his birthday. <laughs> yeah, a teacup. The, the Hitler teacup. Oh my god. Oh man. Be real. It's always good seeing you, my brother. Hey, thank, thank you very much for coming in here. Thanks for it's having me, man. It's always fun to hang with you. Let's do it more often, man. Hell yeah. And uh, tell everybody where they can absorb all of your work. Um, they can find me at, um, I mean, just Google me. Be, be real. <laughs> it, it's all right there laid out. But, um, I mean, we do our Dr. Green Them show Monday through Friday on YouTube. So you can find us there. And we're constantly, you know, giving up our schedule and the shit we're doing, man. It, it's very random. But, yeah right there all right right there be real ladies and gentlemen thank you everybody bye